What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Welcome back to the Crease Dive. Today is Friday, June 28th. And Jake, we've got some Friday night lights coming up here. The boys, they're heading down to Atlanta. Uh, Hot Atlanta, as I believe the locals call it. So coming down to your home city, how you feeling this week? Uh, first of all, we have to get this clear that nobody from Atlanta actually calls it hot Atlanta. So I think I've said that before, but we just need to clarify. I've seen enough movies that say hot Atlanta. I think I'm going to keep rolling with it. I, uh, I'll trust my word on it. That's right. I've never seen literally anything in a movie that wasn't real life. So, um, no, damn man, I'm, I'm fucking pumped. Like, uh, I, you know, I, I knew that Atlanta would be one of the cities that they come to, you know, I, I, um, I knew it. And, you know, uh, anybody from Atlanta specifically, um, Scott Ratliff, you know, this guy, he, he could absolutely vouch that, you know, and confirm, um, you know, 10 years ago when we were both in high school, like the, the, the scope of Atlanta lacrosse and, you know, what it, what it looked like, um, then is just leaps and bounds different than it, than it was now. And Scott's played a pivotal role in that. And so of all these, you know, these youth programs here, um, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I've got a question. What, uh, what's the temperature like down there? Cause like up here in Philly, it's like hot. I'm sweating my, my dick off right now. Like if you guys hear any background noise in this episode, it's because I have the windows open to my apartment. So like, you'll probably hear like cars just like buzzing by just cause everyone in Philly drives like a fucking dick. Um, but so if I'm sweating my nuts off up here in Philly, you're. Yeah, we're, I, we're I, roasting I, down here. Um, so uh when there's not any cloud cover it's low 80s but when the sun's out we're, we're looking at low 90s so that eight o'clock game um on friday night is going to be it's going to be nice i mean you're going to get you're going to have a nice sweat but you're not going to be like drenched so you know the, the other thing is you know if these guys really want to have the full atlanta experience what they need to do is they need to come into town right so um obviously it's archer's atlas on friday right you know so they, they, those guys won't be able to enjoy this but um the other guys maybe the whips the chrome um they need to they need to head down you know get it get in on friday night early right if, if on friday early you know maybe you know get get your get your meal whatever you like you know everybody eats differently on these teams so you know get whatever you want then they all need to head to like the claremont lounge on friday night you know, have a team meeting at the Claremont Lounge because even, you know, our man Anthony Bourdain said that's it's just it's not a normal strip club. It's just operating on a different level, you know, so that's where you need to get your mind right on Friday night for your Saturday for your Saturday games. Um, you know, that's my recommendation as an Atlantan. Um, other than that, you know, uh, do not uh, by any means go to the varsity unless you want to shit blood. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's a that's a pro tip for all my guys who've never been to Atlanta, but just don't do it. Um, well, other than I that, I feel like that could be though, <laughs> you kind of just like gave that away a little bit because so, you know, if I'm one of these teams, like, especially if I'm a team like the Chrome right now, where I'm 0 and four on the season and can't buy a win, 
Like, I feel like you, you probably, you, you know, you, you say, you know, you call up some guys on the chaos and you're like, yo, man, like, you know, I've, I've been around Atlanta before. I know all the great spots. Like, you got to check out the Varsity Inn. Like, oh, like, hey, it's, it's right there in the airport, too. So, like, you know, I, I know what I'm talking about. Head to the Varsity. And then that's where you kind of gain that advantage a little bit. It's, it's you know, it's just gamesmanship. So, if you send people there, then they're shitting their brains out. I mean, that's a Saturday at 1 p.m. game for them. Um, obviously, we'll get more into that when we get into the preview section of this episode. But now I feel like the cat's out of the bag. You kind of took that gamesmanship away from some of these teams. Um, so, I mean, tough, tough break out there. We could always just go back, edit that part out. Um, you know, and if, if any team wants to, you know, kind of put us on staff and, uh, you know, kind of come up with some of those game plans for them, we're, uh, obviously available. Um, but yeah, so heading down to Atlanta this week, everyone's going to be sweating their nuts off, but it's going to be worth it. Cause it's going to be some a one quality lacrosse. We've also got an a one quality episode lined up here for everybody. So a little bit later in the show, we will be joined by, uh, Jules Hennenberg, you guys may have heard of him. He is, uh, you know, part of the best trade in PLL history so far. Um, for a while, it was the only trade in PLL history. There have been a couple trades this past week, so you know he's not the only one anymore. Um, and then we'll also be joined by Diggs Tape. Uh, so Diggs Tape, he has, uh, you know, really come on the scene so far this summer as uh, you know what one of the new stars of lacrosse Twitter. One of the only guys on lacrosse Twitter right now who I don't actively hate um you know so he he brings uh you know he brings some some seasoning to lacrosse twitter so we'll be able to talk to him a little bit more about that uh so you know solid episode lined up for everyone and it's coming on the heels is, is that the phrase coming on the heels coming up mm -hmm. on the heels of of a great week four down in baltimore at johns hopkins university um you know so you you know you were talking about it a little bit there how atlanta is you know, you guys are building a nice little hotbed down there. Um, you know, hotbed, is, it's pretty punny, you know, to say that because it's, it's obviously hot Lana. So it's a hot Lana bed. Um, right. They're still calling it that, right? No, absolutely not. But you oh. can just, you know, you're living in your own world right now. That's fine. Continue. <laughs> Well, so, you know, hot Atlanta will be a hotbed at some point, but, uh, you know, Baltimore, obviously one of the premier lacrosse cities in America, in the world, probably the galaxy Baltimore showed out for the PLL last week down at Hopkins. Um, you know, there were what the PLL announced, there were like 16,000 people there total between the two days, uh, sold out both days and just some great lacrosse all around the only weekend so far that we haven't had any overtime, which is kind of messed up. Um, you know, you, you figure, I don't know, maybe are these guys like losing their competitive edge a little bit? I mean, you could, you could say that, um, you know, may, maybe, maybe there's a curfew in Baltimore. Didn't want to have them, you know, staying to staying out too late. Maybe, they, you know, maybe these guys were just saying sick, they're sick of overtime and they just want to put the dagger in, you know, maybe, you know, I don't know. Well, yeah, you figure a lot of these guys, you know, playing in the league are from the Baltimore area. So, like, maybe they all, like, you know, they're back home. They want to go see their friends. They want to go see their family. They probably have their own local bars that they go to. So, they're like, hey, guys, like, listen, you know, let's not let this game go, you know, an extra five, ten minutes. Like, we're trying to get out of here. We're trying to have ourselves a time this weekend. Um, so, you know, maybe there were some, like, mutual agreements uh, put in place there before it all happened saying like, Hey, you know, we want to have a good lacrosse game, but we also want to get out of here and get in one. Um, so a guy who really wanted to have a good lacrosse game last week, 
Jules Hennenberg. Let's talk about this because my man, the first ever trade in PLL history. Uh, so, you know, we talked about it last week, Jules Hennenberg for Alec Tullett and a fourth round pick also thrown in there. I don't know, you know, obviously we'll, we'll hear about it a little bit more from Jules when we get into that interview. You know, if I'm him, I'm feeling a little, yeah, probably feeling like a little bit embarrassed getting traded this early. Like not, not that there's anything wrong. Like the whip snakes are loaded at attack. Um, and obviously the, the Redwoods wanted them bad enough to give away a great LSM and a fourth round pick. So it's like, you got to feel good that you like, you got sent as one person and you're getting two things back in return for you. Um, but you still probably feel like a little weird getting traded this early. So what does he do? He goes out there and this man snaps five goals, three assists, first game with the Redwoods. Um, so I know that there aren't any GMs in the PLL, but whoever was the one who orchestrated that trade, GM of the year. Uh, absolutely. You have to, you have to think, you know, um, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, and there's another way you can look at it. You could say, hey, you know, there's a lot of stars on the on the whip snakes and everybody's shining really, really bright. Let's give Hindenburg, Hindenburg a uh, a chance to, you know, blow up, a chance to, you know, really shine. I mean, he's second all time at Rutgers in points, you know. So, I mean, he, he absolutely killed it in college. And, the, you know, the kid's still fresh. He's got fresh wheels. And to trade him to a team that that's, um, you know, the Redwoods are kind of like like they're not necessarily the the Atlas where the Atlas are Atli whatever whatever the fuck you want to call them. Um, they're not necessarily like trying to string something together, but they're not the Whip Snakes or the Archers with a really established offense. The Redwoods feel like they're somewhere in between, um, kind of a mix of the chaos run and gun with with the Archers set up offense, if that makes sense. So Hindenburg, Hindenburg, I I I, 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 I see his name. And I think Heisenberg Heisenberg or Hindenburg, like, and it's somewhere in between both of them. It's really fucking annoying and I'm going to lose it. But I, I mean, regardless, eight points, that's a, that's an absolute snapping uh, because I believe Tom Schreiber is the leader in points with 21, something like that. 20 something points somewhere up there, something stupid. So that means that, you know, Hindenburg got 30% of the, leading you know 30 percent of the, the the leader in points uh points in one game so i mean that's that's pretty solid um dude that one the the one behind the back dish to Ryder, and then Ryder finish it off doing a little yes nice nice little spin to an underhand tuck that was a uh i mean that was just a, a thing like I, I watched that one and like dimmed the lights you know lit a candle treated myself right through that one on loop and uh you know spent a little quality time alone because that was a filthy filthy goal um and obviously like that that's just the thing though is like like you add him to that redwoods offense and he just like like if you're setting shit like that you know if you're setting things like that up right away like boom like that again there there aren't any gms but whoever was the one that was like yo like let's let's bring Jules into the mix here and let's really start fucking on people. Whoever was the one who put that together, you deserve something. I don't know. Maybe like take someone's paycheck or something like that. You know, and it's, it's pretty telling too. like, you know, and especially that, that play to know enough about Ryder Garnsey, like Ryder's going to catch that and do something crazy. You know, he's, he's one of the most dangerous players 
on a five and five or in five yards around the crease, Ryder is extremely dangerous. And Henningberg just, you know, had the confidence to dish him one behind the back after getting that absolute rocket from the midfield. Uh, you know, that, that, you know, that sidearm underhand rocket that, you know, the Grant Ament pass that we've been seeing lately that I'm, I'm big on that. I'm absolutely big on that, you know? Uh, well, yeah. So Redwoods, they take down Chrome, 13-11. Chrome moving to their 0-4 on the season. Um, pretty sure their their total, their goal differential is like five. So they're 0-4 and they lost by like five total goals. Um, all the ones before this were just one goal game. So I mean they're they're right there. Like it it's it's weird, man. I but we said it last week on last week's episode. Like I'm still kind of in that zone right now where I'm rooting for, which sucks. Cause like I, you know, plenty of the guys on, on the Chrome, they're friends of the program. We've had them on. So like nothing personal or anything, but just for like the, the content aspect of it. Oh, and 10 with a goal different, I guess at this point, the goal differential would be minus 11. Um, but I think that that would just be a, an incredible story to follow for the, for the rest of the uh, season. So, um, you know, I, I, feel like they're still they'll probably ruin it this week i feel like it, it can't keep going um but if it does and they they go zero and five to start the year like that's when i think everyone needs to jump on board uh with the zero and ten train um I was, an, another huge game last weekend we won't spend too much time on on the recap just because you know we're a week away from it now and we, we've got a great weekend lined up here to talk about um but the the whip snakes atlas rivalry uh, you know, the gang reignites the rivalry. So ton of Terps against a ton of Blue Jays at Homewood Field. The first ever night game in PLL history. Sold out venue. The place was fucking packed. Standing room only. Um, legends all over the place. And the Whip Snakes, or, or, or the Drip Snakes as, as we now call them, they decided to fucking pour it on in the fourth quarter there. What did they score? They scored nine goals in the fourth quarter. They were like, hey, guys. Eight, eight, one run at one point. Yeah. So they're like, hey, guys, like, I, you know, in, enjoy your little homecoming game here. Like all you Hopkins grads coming back to town. Um, you know, you got all, you know, all your people in the stands. This is where you spent four years of your life at. And now we are about to shit on your chest uh, in this fourth quarter here. So Matt Rambo. Hat trick, obviously, you know, he, he spent four years at Maryland just dummying Hopkins. Uh, you know, Ryan Drenner, who's I guess pretty neutral in this rivalry. I who who does who does Towson hate more? Do they hate Hopkins since they're both Baltimore, think, or do they hate Maryland be because it's a Maryland, or do they hate everyone? I think that I think that would be like a proximity thing. Like they just, you know, they they hate everybody who's all within that, you know however many square miles. Yeah. It's like when you like, so, I mean, even Delaware's in there probably because you know, they're like, you know, just across the bridge. So like, they just fucking hate everybody. Yeah. Pretty much. Like if, if you open up like Google maps and like, you know how it has like a little ring around, like where you're at, yeah. like, like I guess basically anyone like within that ring Towson hates. Um, so, I mean, obviously he, he, he still hates Hopkins just as much as anyone else. And he popped off as well, which, you know, we're getting pretty used to seeing, but yeah, I mean, that was a five, four game at halftime. Um, you know, looked like things were tight. Looks like, you know, things were, you know, um, you know, just going to be an up and down game. And then the fourth quarter rolled around and went, and the drip snakes were like, nah, get out of here. Uh, so now Atlas, they fall to, you know, they're, they're one in, 
one and three on the season right now. Um, but I mean, like they've gotten like all these games have been pretty tight, but the Atlas have gotten worked twice now. You know, they got worked by the chaos and now they got worked by the whip snakes. Um, so Atlas, they're they're at a point where I don't I don't really know what's going on there, um, but it's it's not really working out. You know, we've and Ryan Boyle, you know, in his it, the, the king, um, the commentator, which I've loved them both, by the way, on uh, Brendan Burke and Ryan Boyle on the, on the commentating. Um, but Boyle has mentioned a couple times, like it just the where it's almost like we're kind of waiting for these guys to show up on the Atlas. You know, we're waiting on Ryan Brown to just start letting it go. Now we did see a glimpse of that. Like he, he had a couple, he had a, uh, he let it go a couple times. Um, you can also see now this is, this is going to be some huge brain analysis here. So I just want you to prepare everybody. If you look in the PLL posted on their Instagram, every time, if you look at the number of shots that are, that are, that are, that are happening per game, the whip snakes are absolutely pouring them on 50 plus every single time. And they're leading. I, I would imagine that they're leading in shots. You can't get goals if you're not putting up shots. I'm just saying. Now that math to I'm, me, it sounds right. I think we would need to bring on a, like a mathematician to really, you know, confirm that. Um, it's it sounds right. I don't know if I have the science to to totally confirm it. Um, but you know, if if any of you nerds are out there listening, we could probably yeah that more shots equals more goals. I mean, I, that's it's pretty incredible. Uh, you know how that works, but I mean, yeah, the Atlas, the Atlas is not one team that I would. I, I I really don't know, um, because they do have you know King Cannon is probably one of the premier goalies right now too. Um, he was seeing more rubber than a tie hooker last weekend, but uh, yeah, man, I mean, I, I didn't really expect the Chrome to go in four, and I didn't I didn't really expect the the Atlas to be to be one and three, but. I don't think we saw the whip snakes absolutely going out there and just dick slapping people either, you know. So I'm I'm just I'm thinking about Ty Hookers now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, that's that that's a that's a good that's an old one, uh that's an old one that a guy I used to coach under, um, his name's Lou Corsetti and an absolute Atlanta legend. Uh he used to he used to bring that one out every now and then, you know. So that's a little Atlanta flavor for everybody. Uh, preparing to come down here this weekend. Yeah, just uh, you know, that's it's what all the locals say. So as soon as you know, if, if you're traveling down <laughs> to Atlanta this weekend, as soon as you get off the airport, just break that one out, and people would be like, "Oh yeah, this guy belongs." Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, you know, final game from last week, we had the uh, you know, speaking of Ken Cannon seeing more rubber than a, a tie hooker, uh, another guy who saw a ton of rubber this this past weekend. Blaze Jordan. So 21 saves. This is a guy, he doesn't even, I bet he doesn't even really like playing goalie that much. Like I bet he, I would imagine that he has a lot more fun playing forward and box and he's just really fucking good at playing goalie at the field level. So he's like, I guess I'll do this right now. Like, even though I'd rather not get hit with all these shots. Um, but you know, most of the shots he's not getting hit by them. He's just stuffing them right up in the stick. 21 of them on the day as the uh as as the chaos they took down the archers 14 to 13 now this is again it got pretty tight there at the end um pretty sure it was it i i feel like 
trying trying to remember here. I think it was like fourteen to nine, um, and then the yeah yeah, and and then so then the archers would uh they they would go on to score. You know what would that then be? The the last four goals of the game to make it pretty tight, and then they had the ball with the final seconds with uh, Tommy Shriver picking it up behind the cage under five seconds ago, trying to get something done. Shriver ends up losing, uh, you know, kind of loses his footing there, and that's all she wrote. But for for Blaze Reardon to put up 21 saves in that game is absolutely absurd, especially when you think about the weapons that the archers have on offense. Guys like Will Manny, Marcus Holman, Tom Schreiber. Um, so freak game out of Blaze. A freak game out of Jared Newman, too. He had two two bombs on the day. Um, obviously, that's a huge difference maker. So, uh, you know, any, anytime the polls are starting to let it fly now, and that's I think that that's something that that we love to see. Um, you know, the boys are getting, they have the green light to let them fly. And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, you were a pole yourself while, mm-hmm. during, during your playing days. So I feel like once a pole uh, kind of gets that green light to go, they're, they're not dishing the ball at all. Like they, as soon as they cross the midfield line, they're thinking to themselves, um, taking five crow hops and just seeing where this thing goes. Of course, because like a goalie's not, especially because, you know, a goalie's not going to be able to see it. Like there's absolutely no way that you're going to see that. You know, um, the the few the few ones that have that have been saved are you know the the you hit the goalie, or you know it's off the cage. But I mean, you know, pulling up from twelve and absolutely taking a crow hop and coming over the top, like you know, the goalie's not going to just goalie's just not going to see it. And I feel sorry for the goalies, but not really. You know, no. I, I can I can feign empathy for for a goalie being in you know fucking nutcase and getting in the cage anyway well yeah so two two bombs for jared newman obvious difference maker there so between you know that and then blaze shutting it down in between the pipes with 21 saves he now leads the pll in saves uh so the chaos they keep their thing rolling they are now uh they're sitting at three and one uh you know so they'll try to keep the chrome uh winless this weekend uh so you know that was week four a lot of great games Huge turnout, like I said, sixteen thousand. I guess uh, you know between the the two days, sold out each time. I I love. I think that that's. I'm all for the PLL trying to you know go out there, try to you know hit some different markets that don't necessarily get to see pro lacrosse all the time. Um, you know, trying to go to some bigger venues. But when you can go to where your bread is buttered, every one just every once in a while, you just got to go. You know, it's 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 like uh, you know it's where sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. You got to go to Baltimore. Um, so, you know, you sell that shit out and that's what they did. So it was a great weekend and it, it sets things up for a great week five, but let's just fast forward a little bit um, to a few weeks down the road because earlier this week, the PLL, they unveiled their, uh, so the playoff format. Um, so I, there'll be three weeks of playoffs It'll start off, I guess, in Columbus. Then the second round will go to New York, right? Pretty sure that's that's how it goes. Yes, and, and then Philly. And then championship will be in Philly. Now, here's the thing. The PLL, they have a lot of really smart people making all the decisions in that league. And I think that pretty much every decision that they've decided to go with so far um, has been the right one. With that being said, this playoff format, I'm I'm trusting it. I I think that they know what they're doing. At, 
but as for someone with a with a, a tiny little brain like myself right now trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with this playoff bracket is like it's my my system is shutting down trying to figure this out so again i like i trust the playoff bracket i feel like they know what they're doing um you know they're they're constantly trying to do things where they uh you know it, it i guess this would be like a uh and an, an industry term that they like to disrupt. So they did like to disrupt everything that goes on in professional sports. This playoff bracket disrupts it. Um, so real quick, just, you know, before we give some more takes on it, the way it goes, if you haven't seen it, so the first seat, so usually, you know, you, you get, you get to the semifinal, right? It'll be one versus four in one game and then two versus three in the other. Well, that's not the case here. It's going to be one versus two, three versus four, um, and then there'll be a second loser's bracket where it'll be five versus six. So one versus two, whoever wins that game, you're automatically going to the championship. But whoever loses that game then plays the winner of three versus four. So then the loser of three versus it's it's going to be really hard to describe over an audio podcast when like you can't see everything in front of you so like just you know if you're listening to this right now pull it up you'll see it in your it, like you'll see it in front of your eyes and you'll like i i i need matt quest to like figure out how this bracket works yeah i think somebody posted like an idiot's version on uh instagram or something like that i, I still didn't understand it uh that's fine by me um i was talking to somebody earlier uh how about we just let's just let's just ditch the whole thing all right stick with me ditch the whole thing and have the boys do just one weekend like tournament style like round robin and then round robin on saturday with everybody and then sunday have a tournament like a summer tournament and i mean these guys are the best players in the world right they can fucking take it so like you know do a little do a little short round robin on one side short round robin on the other and then have your tournament set up on on sunday boom i just solved the whole problem yeah I'm still confused by that one too. I think I'm I'm confused by pretty much anything that's not um I'm pretty confused by everything anyway. So um I don't know. I, I think I'll get used to it and like I'll like I, I watch the the idiots version of it and like the way that it's set up, it makes sense. Like it it makes sense that like one versus two. The, the winner of that game should have more importance than the winner of the three versus four game. Same way as, as like in a regular bracket, like a winning the one versus four game should have more weight behind it than winning the two versus three. So it all makes sense. It's just like seeing the way that it works out on the bracket. I think that's, that's probably actually the biggest issue is they just need to not do, they can't have a bracket because when I see a bracket, I need it to just like work like a regular bracket does where everything funnels down to the championship. This one has like people like jumping over arcs into the championship right away. So I think that that's the biggest thing is like, don't set it up like a bracket because it's not a bracket. Just like, give me a different look at it and then I'll, it'll make more sense to me. But when like you have the bracket where it's like two lines that then come down to one, I'm expecting it to be like a regular playoff format. And the fact that it's not, my my brain right now is in shambles yeah i mean the, it, it's a lot for sure um that's I, the thing I, like i just don't want to feel like a fucking idiot when i just want to watch good lacrosse 
I mean, you can watch all the games. You should be like, you might not know which one, which game is which, you know, at the end. You may be like, you might be like, is this game important? I don't know. I'm just going to treat every game like it's, support, like it's important. And then it may not be the championship game. And you may be like, ah, fuck me. But like, I mean, they're, they're all good games. I don't think we've had a bad game yet, which is, which has kind of been nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there I, was that, there was that one. It was like, uh, 1913. It's a chaos game, wasn't it? Yeah. Chaos over, uh, the atli um but yeah no I, I feel like i'm just gonna like like I, i'll be watching the first round of the playoffs and then like i'll just like black out a little bit and all of a sudden it'll be championship weekend in philly and i'll be like oh yeah i guess that's who's playing right now like i guess that's just the way that it all worked out no matter what like you said they're gonna be great games uh but yeah so the playoff format again i i do think that it makes if if i understood how it worked out if I could conceptualize it in my head, I would say, oh yeah, that makes a ton of sense. The only reason why I'm saying it doesn't right now is just because like I can't figure it out. Um, but yeah, so that's the playoffs, but you know, we still have uh, the rest of the summer until we get to that point. A um, couple more uh, little, little news and notes here before we get into our segments. Uh, so, you know, couple, couple roster moves uh, so far this week. So, Joe Fletcher makes his return to professional lacrosse. He signed with the Chrome. Um, so, you know, he was a, uh, you know, he's, he's played for team USA. Uh, he was on that lizards team with, with a lot of these guys, like, you know, like Rabel, Grandland, um, those guys. So Joe Fletcher making a return to pro lacrosse playing with the Chrome, uh, Brendan Fowler, he gets traded to the archers for a fourth round draft pick. Um, so that's, you know, an, an, another trade, in the PLL. So I guess, you know, uh, what he was with the Chrome, I believe. So, uh, you know, so I guess, you know, they're, they're just rolling with the milkman, Connor Farrell. Uh, so Brendan Fowler, he'll be able to go over take some draws for the archers. Uh, there was one more trade. Uh, who, who, who was it? Why am I, why am I blanking here right now? I'm oh, not, I'm Joe, not. Joe McCallion from the archers to the whip snakes. That's a, you know, another one, fourth round pick. Um, you know, so, you know, it's, listen, the, these fourth round picks, like they're, you know, they're going to turn out to be somebody good. So it's not like guys are just like getting like, you know, it's, it's not like the MLB where like you, you trade a guy and you get like a, a player to be named later and cash considerations. Like you get a fourth round pick in the PLL is going to be number of what, like either like 19 to like 24 or some shit like that. Yep. So. Like, like you're going to get one of the top 25 players in college across out of that pick. So, um, so more, you know, more movement, not quite at the level of Jules Hennenberg. Um, but you know, we still, still like to see a little movement going around there. Just, it, it feels more like a, like a actual, like the way that a league's supposed to be, you know, then once, once these trades start happening more frequently and, you know, more guys are in the league, then like, then you'll get that drama where it's like, like the NBA drama, like that, that's the shit like that makes the NBA where the NBA is at is like, like off the court, like all that shit, all the player movement, free agency and shit like that. Like that's what drives people to the NBA. So if the PLL can just kind of keep that shit going, um, then, then they're well on the way. Yeah. I think the Brennan Fowler um, acquisition was pretty important because I, a lot of, not, not sure a lot of people know this, but that dude's a fucking monster. Um, I mean, he's, he's like, my size, like six feet, two fifteen. He played. He did. He was a. He did three sports at Duke. 
Um, I remember that distinctly. I think he was a wrestler as well as football and lacrosse. So like that's a that's a pretty huge um, uh, that's a pretty huge acquisition. These guys are moving and shaking. It's given it, you know the PLL's given a lot of guys um, you know kind of the the freedom and the, maybe like a lot of these guys who were like ah, I'm not really sure about the PLL. You know I'm going to work my my white collar job for a little bit. Um, you know, I'll, I'll still keep my game up. And then, then they, you know, they see, they see all this on TV and they're like, you know what, maybe, you know, maybe I'll text one of my boys like, you know, Hey man, like, can I get on that team? Like what, you know, y'all, y'all need, y'all need any, any, anybody to play. So it's giving these guys, you know, kind of the chance to get their feet wet as, you know, in, in a different league. Um, that is, you know, absolutely booming right now. I'm, I'm high on it. I'm sure that every, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't, but you know, those father of three dorks. Um, can absolutely suck it. Uh, but other than that, you know, I think the trade game's pretty sweet. That's exactly what we're looking for is that, you know, NBA dramatic thing with the PLO. Yeah. But yeah, fathers of three, get that. Um, but yeah, so that is everything heading into week five of the PLL season, uh, which, so that'll bring us right into our, uh, let, let, let's get some segments going here. And obviously we will start with the greaser of the week. All right, before we keep going here, just have to mention that this week's Greaser of the Week is brought to you by Pearl Lacrosse, the only ball that is worthy of greasers that never, ever, literally ever greases. You can play with this thing in the mud. You can play with it in the rain. You can play with it in the middle of a hurricane. It will never grease on you. It is American-made. It is American-trusted, and you can always find it in the back of the net. That is Pearl Lacrosse. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take the lead on this one because, uh, you know, my guy – a guy who we've been hyping up for the last couple weeks here. He has turned himself into one of the best pro goalies in the game right now. And he's still, you know, only maybe a month or two removed from playing college across. So uh, Tim Troutner for the Redwoods, he is my greaser of the week because so, you know, that, that assist that he had last weekend, obviously we, we love to see goalies take the ball up the field. I, I think that, um, you know, that that's something that that really separates lacrosse from the other like goalie sports, the other net sports um, is that goalies can can just take it and wheel. You know, hockey, you can't do that. Soccer, you can't do that. Um, so, you know, to see a goalie, I feel like any time that they like see that they have a clear lane to the midfield line, they're probably going to take that. Uh, so, you know, he's running up the field. He soaks a couple checks like he's he's taking a couple right in the arm there. Uh, and these are all pro athletes like he's not getting slashed in the arm by like some little like 14 year old kid who you know has never picked up a weight in his life like he's getting hacked from attackmen who really enjoy inflicting pain on goalies whenever they get the chance so he soaks that check takes it over midfield dishes it over to a pole balls in the back of the net probably the first goalie assist of the season uh so tim troutner that is my greaser of the week for just saying fuck it going full send taking that one to the house and then ending up with an assist to his name that's absolutely a solid one that's a solid choice um mine uh comes from uh, the the atli and a in a very important highlight uh this man was uh mic'd up this weekend and he said something that absolutely qualified as the greaser of the week uh tucker durkin ate absolutely ate a shot right on the shoulder and and when he ate it he turned around and said give me that like give me that like you know i mean it just means it, it, it could have meant like give me that ball or like 
give me that pain. Like it could have been, it meant anything, but the fact that he said it was, and he barely flinched. He's absolutely the greatest over the week, plain in mind, plain and simple. You just, you don't see that nowadays. Like if I'm getting hit by fucking, you know, whoever it was, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm jumping out of the way of Sergio Perkovic shooting. I'm jumping out of the way of Rabel shooting, jumping out of the way of Romar Dennis, Kyle Harrison. I'm pretty much jumping out of the way of pretty much anybody you can imagine who's shooting, but to, to eat a ball like that and say, and, and look for the nugget right after, what can you do, man? Greaser. Yeah. The guys who like go out of their way to get hit with shots and like wear that as a badge of honor are absolute psychopaths. And yeah, Tucker is, he's right up there at the top of the list of psychopaths in this league and in this sport. Um, so yeah, absolute freak. Uh, that's, that's a real, that's a real solid choice. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's move on real quick to our man up man down of the week. Uh, you, you know, why don't you go first here with your man up? Okay. Like Tucker Durkin also deserves it there. He might deserve all the uh, all the awards for that one. But who you got for this week's man up? All right. So, uh, all right. So as a as a as a former stick string aficionado, I'm I'm still you know very adept with it with a nice mesh pocket. Uh, none of that tra- crazy traditional stuff you kids are you know stringing and posting on the internet. Um, I've noticed something. Uh, you know, with the stick stringing rules that, you know, have had encompassed the NCAA, you know, people had to change up their styles and things like that. Now there used to be a very popular style where, uh, we had a, a double U or a double V, uh, in the pocket. Uh, that was, uh, I like to call that one the Ned Crotty. Jordan Wolf's Jordan Wolf's also a big Jordan double U guy. So, but you know, but, uh, I like to call it Ned Crotty. But that one's that one's making a surge back. Uh, lots of guys in the PLL rocking that, and you just you love to see it. It's the smoothest release you can ever find. Maybe other than you know the Mark Matthews three or four shooting strings right across. Um, I'm I'm just personally a fan of the the W or the double V with the, you know maybe a nylon you know real tight oh, across yeah. the top. Oh, I, I like that's, I like classic. I like the 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 two U's and then yeah. uh, so like the two nylons except like like the nylons will go through the same row of mesh. Ah. So, so it's like, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's doubled up on the same row nylon, nice like crisp snap out of there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I guess maybe, you know, maybe that's Crotty Wolf. So like maybe Wolf just kind of took that from Crotty. Um, man, w- w- those, those were the days before the new stringing rules came into play. Like you could just load your stick up and that ball could just be, Oh my god, dude! Like two U's in a in a proton power or in a superpower, like stupid. God damn, give me that. Uh, I give used to. I, I I remember. Um, I remember watching Matt Donowski, and I don't know if you remember this, but um, that man was a nut. Uh, he, I want to say that he had a nylon or a or a shooting string that was and I'm looking around for one of my sticks so I can show you, but like maybe two or three inches from the bottom of his stick because there just, there were no rules. Yeah. So two or three inches from the, from the throat of the, of the stick. So the ball would sit when he was cradling one handed and it would sit there and he could get it out so quickly. I don't, I only saw one picture and I was like, what the fuck is that? What's going on? But like, it used to be the wild west. And I mean, all of our, you know, 
26, 28 year old listeners may know, but you've, you little guys, you know, you know, young guns, you don't, you, you don't get it. I'm actually, now that you say that I am interested in what the, uh, and what the rules are for the for the PLL in terms? Have you of, seen one stick check? I haven't. No, I haven't either. And like, yeah, I actually I want to stop talking about that right now though because I don't <laughs> want to speak it into existence because I don't want stick, I don't want stick checks to come into no. PLL because that just fucks up everything. Um, so yeah, let's just leave that one at that. Uh, my man up of the week probably has a lot to do with some of the stringing that these guys have because I am going with the two bombs. Uh, so like we, like we mentioned before, the boys were gripping it and the boys were ripping it this past weekend. Jared Newman had a couple two pointers, uh, Trevor Baptiste stepped in, stuck a little two bomb of his own. Uh, and this time he didn't hit anyone in the nuts. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a whole lot better to find the back of the net than just popping someone's scrotum in half. So shout out to Trevor for shooting it around people this time instead of trying to go through them. Uh, but yeah, so the two bomb was very much in play this past weekend, Again, as, as the as the weather's starting to heat up, I, I feel like we're gonna see guys just really starting to to rip these balls a little bit. Um, you know, the the rubber's gonna be nice and warm. There's gonna be a lot of juice behind these shots. Uh, so, and I feel like now the players are starting to get a little bit more used to where that line is at. Now that you know this will be week five, so they've had you know training camp and four weeks of play. So they're starting to get a little bit more comfortable. We're not seeing quite as many shots of guys stepping right over the line before they let it go. Uh, so the two bomb for me. That's that's my man up of the week. I think that's fair. Um, I think that the the two bomb is it, it's become an essential part of the game. You know, I, I think that um, you know a yard back, and it's like ah, uh, that's it's not as much of a threat. But now, when you see one nearly every game, multiple ones every game, like that's that's it's huge, and it's something that these guys have to add to their arsenal. Oh, yeah. um, you know, if, if we move on to to man down, something that I'm down on. Um, and there were some clips about it this weekend, specifically, you know, uh, pertaining to Scott Ratliff's mic'd up. Um, you know, he was giving the ref uh, the business about, you know, a slashing call or something like that. And he said, you know, for the past three weeks, y'all have just, you know, y'all, we could take baseball swings and now you're calling everything. So I, I'm, I'm man down on, on the refs. I, I, I'm, I'm concerned. Um, perhaps we spoke it into the existence, you know, the, them, you know, us saying that the, the, to let the boys play, uh, but the, the drafts need to show me, uh, a little more, how would you say, uh, restraint and, and going for that flag, maybe just like, don't like carry any or something like that. I think that that would be fair. Yeah. Now, the one thing I will say is every great professional sports league, like you need one uh, just fucking asshole ref. Like you, you need one of those guys where everybody hates. So, uh, you know, the, like MLB has it in Joe West, um, you know, NHL has it in, in Tim Peel. Like, like, so every league has that one ref where everyone's like, Oh, this fucking jerk off is, is doing the game tonight. Like this is going to suck. Um, so like, I, I would appreciate if, if just one ref in the PLL would kind of take that upon himself to be that dickhead, but the rest of them. Yeah. Again, let the boys play. Like, I am a little bit worried that maybe, you know, they saw the reaction online to, you know, some of the, the pushing and shoving of two weeks ago. And then they're like, oh, uh, we got to we gotta take control of these games before, you know, we start seeing more fights and more people bitch about it. It's like, hey, if, if you're a ref in the PLL, like, don't hop on social media. Don't let the internet 
dictate how you call games. Just be a dude, let the boys play. But we do need one of you to be an asshole. Cause like, again, that's, that's just kind of one of those things where every league needs that one guy that it's like, ah, this guy sucks. Yeah, I suppose that's fair. Um, you know, I guess you, you kind of need your sacrificial ref, you know, uh, it, I suppose it would take, it would take a lot, especially in bigger sports, you know, or sports with bigger venues like MLB and NHL. I'm sure it, sure it takes a lot for them to walk out there and know that the entire crowd just hopes they, you know, would get hit by a car and not survive. Yeah. Again, Gene stares for, um, yeah. So my, my, I kind of plays off of that a little bit just cause you know, it's, it's, uh, my man down of the week also goes to some, some of the online haters. Um, you know, my, my man down is just the, the pro lacrosse attendance haters. So the people who, you know, the past three weeks leading into Baltimore, all they would do, they would just take little snapshots on their, on their screens of the games and be like, Oh, like no one's showing up to these games. Like the PLL, they had all this hype heading into the season. Oh, look, no one's coming to the games. Where were they this weekend? Crickets. Crickets, 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 because uh, the the exact number here, total attendance of 16,701 over the three total games on Saturday and Sunday. So, you know, obviously Johns Hopkins, it's it's a much smaller venue than Gillette and the two other MLS stadiums that they played in before in the previous week. So, um, you know, calling that like a, a sold out. It was a sold out venue. A sellout at Johns Hopkins is much different than a sellout at Gillette, but still 16,000 over the weekend. That's a, that's a massive number. Um, and obviously, you know, it's in Baltimore, Baltimore loves lacrosse. It's, you know, lacrosse and, and crab cakes. That's what Baltimore does. But the, the pro lacrosse attendance haters were silent this week and that's the way that they should be good or bad. They should remain silent all the time because no one gives a fuck that you took a picture of your TV screen of a bunch of empty seats in a stadium. No one gives a fuck. You're not doing anything. You're not saving the world. You're not showing people something that they've never seen before. Just because you took a picture of the of the empty stands, you're not doing anything but being a fucking I, I don't know. I, I I hate those people. And like they happen all the time in like all sports. So again, I guess like if I'm going on that theme where like we want the PLL to have like some of the same um, you know, the, the same interactions with people that like other established leagues have, like, I guess that's just part of it. Like there'll, there'll always be people that like take pictures of the Marlins or the Tampa Bay Rays having no one in the stands. So like, I guess that's just something that you can't avoid, but still just know that if, if you're one of those people that you feel the need to put a screenshot out of empty seats, one, you were silent this past weekend and two, uh, nobody likes you and your family doesn't respect you. Totally fair take. Um, speaking of pictures, okay, I, I might I might add a second man up real quick. Did you know Ooh. Sergio Perkovic is signed to a modeling company? I did not know that he was signed to a modeling company, but that does not surprise me in the slightest. He is a handsome, handsome son of a bitch. So um, I'm, I'm huge the, the, on the cross players being models. How's that sound? Oh, yeah. I'm man yeah. up on that. Isn't uh did, didn't you tell me Matt Landis was a like an underwear model or some shit? I'm not, no, I didn't. But uh, someone told were, me that that would that would not surprise me either. Yeah, sure. I mean, Lan- I'll tell you what though, dude. The Redwoods they are a hot team. Yeah, like not even like but, in the sense of like playing lacrosse. Yeah, between Landis, Perkovic, and and then Joe Walters, total man rocket as well. 
the Redwoods are probably the hottest team in the PLL. I mean, that why else would we have picked them as our team? Yeah. Fair. All right. Well, I do. Yeah. Perkovic though. He's, he's tall. He's handsome. He's jacked. What a, what a fucking life that guy has. I know. Some guys have all the luck, right? Um, you know, we're, we're, we're going pretty, pretty long on time here. Um, we could do a real quick trip to the gear vault. Um, just get, you know, I, I've had some, some people reach out with some, you know, pieces of equipment that they wanted us to talk about. Um, one of them, the warrior Mac daddies, one, pretty much the granddaddy of them all. Um, you know, the, the Mac that like that right there, like as soon as warrior started coming out with names like that, like the, the Mac daddy and the super freak, that was the prime of l- lacrosse having no idea which direction they they were going in like that right there like that was the that that was the point of like that's when like LXM tour was coming out um Conbro Chill was like the biggest guy in lacrosse the Mac Daddies the Super Freaks like that right there if you were around for that era of lacrosse um you know you probably belong to the Facebook group uh, 90% of lax is in the flow um hell of a oh thing. god that the we need to get those okay i was just thinking this the other day we have to get the battleotto brothers on the podcast to touch are, are, are they who are those the guys that started 90 yeah. percent of lax yeah they're the admins it's like tyler battleotto and another guy i think they played at some some d3 schools and there's another guy who's um his name is literally this best name in all all bear brink <sighs> I'll tell you what, there's got to be someone listening right now that knows them. So if, if that's you, please get us in contact. God, the kids, the kids these days, they just don't understand like that, that Facebook group was everything. It was absolutely everything. Uh, You, you post your fit in there and just like, you know, you get constructive criticism. You wouldn't be, I mean, you had your like, you know, your random like guys who would be like, this is fucking trash. And you know, the admins would be like, you know, come on, like, come on guy. Like you know, he he's trying. You get actual constructive criticism, unless but. you po- unless you posted like a, like a <laughs> heavy heavy like second bar syndrome, and then oh, you were yeah. just in there getting roasted. Absolutely, you know that. It, it, but it was all constructive, and I think that that was like the like the oh god, the kids these days they just don't they don't understand. Um, so another thing that these kids these days don't understand is how much uh, trial and error there was with creating equipment you know specifically shafts back in the day so i i i narrowed it down to two and i might talk about both of them but the, the first one was a brine shaft and I, I i'm i'm certain you remember this but it had holes in it because it was an, i think it was an f series maybe um i don't actually i you know what i don't remember the brine one i do remember the reebok one then it might, that might, I might be confusing it. I mean, no, it might be but, there. You know, I like think now, Brian now, had it though. Now that now that you're saying it, I kind of do remember Brian having it. It was like a little more subtle than the Reebok yeah. one. The Reebok one was basically like you were just holding air that was like loosely encased by yep. a by like some like carbon shit. But yeah, now that now that you're saying it, I kind of remember Brian having one. Um, wow. What again? I like. I, I just I would love to know if there was like science going into these like advancements quote unquote in uh lacrosse equipment or if it was just like a bunch of dudes being like yo one no would be pretty sweet right now if we just like put a bunch of holes in this shit uh and then the other i mean that one that one was a great one and then the other one i had to say was um it was warrior uh 
I only ever saw it one time, but they basically, so I don't think that they had exactly engineered a carbon shaft yet, but what they did was they took like a regular cryptolite and they put a Kevlar coating on it. So it was like a Kevlar shield around your, your, the, like a regular stick. So it kind of circumvented the carbon, like the cost of the carbon, but it was literally Kevlar. So like it didn't even go all the way to the top because, you know, there was like an inch and a half, two inches where you had to put your stick on. So you could see where like the Kevlar ended and your stick, you put your stick on. I was like, it was some kid came to practice with it. I was like, what the the fuck is that, dude? And he's like, oh, it's Kevlar. My dad got it for me, of course. I, yeah, that's another one too, where it's like. (laughs) It's like I would have completely forgot that that existed. Now I'm like starting to picture it again. I feel like Kevlar, lacrosse went through a little Kevlar phase where they were just like trying to throw it in everything, Um, which is like funny if you think about it, just because like, um, you know, obviously the game, we're trying to grow the game. We're trying to get away from the, you know, quote unquote, like bro culture, like whatever. Um, Back in that time, uh, no one, no one needed Kevlar. There, there were no gunshots going off at lacrosse games. There was no need for that at all. Um, but it's got a cool name and it's got a cool look like Kevlar. Like you're like, oh yeah, it's a Kevlar shaft. You're like, oh fuck yeah. Like I need that. Um, so everything that they were doing back then, none of it really made any sense, but it was still pretty cool. Uh, it was all awesome. It was really the wild, wild west. As many people have, have, have said, there was um, a lot of guys who were actually in the crease dives Instagram, um, you know, giving us some good, some good choices. So please, please keep that up. I'll have the keys to the Instagram this weekend in Atlanta. So um, if you, you know, come say hi, we'll, we'll take a selfie together or maybe I'll just like roast your fit or something like that. You know, you better not be wearing, you know, black, black socks with white shoes or something like that, because that's definitely going to be going on the Instagram. So, yeah, man, I feel like we could, yeah, let's, let's do some big time roast me's on the, uh, actually, you know what? Yeah. Show up in, in your, in your finest <laughs> ro- roastable fit. And uh, I'll just go in on it. Yeah. All right. Well, Hey, one guy who won't be getting roasted this weekend because he will be stuffing the back of the net. Like he always does is Jules Hennenberg as he'll be taking on his former team, the whip snakes. So let's kick it right over now to our interviews with Jules Hennenberg, and right after that, we've got Diggs Tape coming up. All right, with us right now, we have uh, with the second week with the Redwoods. Uh, he's got a, a big revenge game coming up this weekend in ATL. We've got Jules Hennenberg on the line. Jules, for thanks for hopping on with us. Yo, yo, thanks for having me. So, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Everyone is, is kind of like, this is the drama that people have been kind of looking for in professional lacrosse. We got a little bit of drama earlier in the season, a couple of tilts. Uh, we had the, the Maryland versus Hopkins alum going after it last week. And now we have the, the first trade in PLL history. And now you get a chance to play against the, uh, the old squad. Granted, you only spent, you know, three weeks in training camp with the team. So it's not like, you know, you're a lifelong player, but I mean, first trade in PLL history now you get to go up against those boys. So, you know, how are you feeling heading into this weekend? Yeah, so it's, it's definitely exciting being able to, to get another game in with the Redwoods this week. Um, it being with the Versa Whip Snakes, it's definitely interesting just because, like you said, I was with them for, for a little bit. But I think, you know, the training camp, um, that kind of added a different element to, to teams in pro lacrosse just because you got to build that camaraderie more. 
And so I, I did build some really good relationships over there and, and I definitely didn't want to see myself go. But now that I'm with the Redwoods, you know, I love those guys over there. But when it comes time to, to strap it on, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a game to win. So it's going to be intense and, and we're not going to have any friends on the field. Yeah. Uh, do me a favor and just like kind of talk about like what was going through your head, like when you got either the text or the call or like whatever it was that, you know, you found out that that you were being dealt over to the Redwoods because, you know, that that's something that I, I'm you didn't transfer at all at Rutgers, did you? So. No, I transferred in uh, high school, though. Okay. So then I guess you have like a little bit of experience, like going from one team to another, but, um, you know, four years at Rutgers and then you had the, the year playing pro in the MLL. So like this is kind of like a new experience where it probably wasn't your decision to go. Um, so that decision was made for you. So, you know, just what, what was that like when, you know, you got that call? Definitely. So I, I got the call Monday morning. Coach, uh, Coach Stag's number popped up on my phone and I was just like, damn. I didn't think I played badly last week. I thought I played pretty well. And so I knew that that meant that I was probably going to not sitting, but I was going to get traded. So right away when we started talking, I just, they kind of get that feeling in your stomach. And I was like, all right, well, just, just cut to the chase. What's going on here? And he kind of just let me know that, you know, it was a good situation over there for the Redwoods that they really wanted me for a long time now. And that I, I wasn't being utilized as well as I could on the whip snakes. And he thought that, for my career, being a young guy, being a new player in the league, being a, being a new league in general, that it would be a best career move for me to head over there. And I didn't have any say in it, which was tough because, you know, I, I wasn't really too concerned about what my position was on the team with the Whip Snakes. I, I felt that, you know, however you are skill set wise and however you play on game day kind of just will define your role more than, you know, the coaching staff and, and playing time. So I was kind of disappointed just because I was building those relationships. I thought I was playing well. I was getting getting in a little bit more of a groove with, with those guys. And I thought things were really going to start to come together. And then you find out that you get traded. So it's definitely a weird feeling. It's one coach wants you. So he's kind of welcome you in. And it's that like kind of getting recruited feeling again. And then the other coach is kind of just, you know, shoving you away. So it's, it's mixed emotions. But at the end of the day, Nat really want, Coach Nat really wanted me and, and was excited to have me and be a part of the program over there and, and welcome me with open arms. So I was excited to be with them. Yeah, so I'm sure it was like a little disappointing at first, but like was there a little piece of you that was pretty pumped that like you were the guy that got a player and a draft pick in return? Um, like no, no disrespect to Alec Tullett or anything like that. Like he's a great player, but I feel like when people talk about the first trade in PLL history – like they'll talk about it. Like it was, it was the Jules Hennenberg trade. Um, so like there, there's like that aspect of it too, where it's like, well, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm moving teams, but like a, a team had to send a player and a draft pick to get me. So like that, you know, that, that has to take some of the bite out of it a little bit. Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, that stuff's all cool. And, and it's definitely when you're looking on the outside, looking in, you can think about it, like how the trade kind of went down, but as the player kind of in, in between it all, I think the the biggest thing is just the relationships you build and then kind of just losing that. And you don't really think too much into what really happened other than the fact that you're, you're with a team that you, you built those, like I said, those relationships, you love the guys, you know, you're building that camaraderie, which is especially in pro sports and our sport of lacrosse is not easy because you're only with your team once a week. Um, so you really take those, those relationships and those times seriously, if you're trying to win a championship and the whip snakes are a team that's are vying for a championship. So to be a part of that and kind of build that up and then leave it, you know, that, that was tough. Um, but I think hindsight 2020, looking back on it now, like how everything's worked out, obviously it's a great position for me and, and I'm being put in a position to have success with the Redwoods and be 
be maybe one of the number one ball carriers. So it's working out well for me. Yeah. And I feel like you're probably going to end up being a pretty popular guy with the Redwoods with, you know, that first game with the team, uh, absolutely snapping off five goals, three assists, not a big deal. Just another day in the office for Jules. Um, so, you know, how, you know, how was that game for you? Like, was that like, did you go into that game with some, like, like with that chip on your shoulder or were you like just blocking everything out? And that was just, you know, the kind of game that you had, like, was there the motivation behind five goals, three assists, or was it just whatever I'm going to go ball out? I've got Ryder on my team now, so I can just dish it to him. And then, uh, you know, so, so how, how was, you know, how was the mindset heading into Balti? Well, first off, is very excited to play with Ryder. I think, uh, style is, is a bit different than mine. He kind of is, is loosey-goosey, does whatever kind of comes to his head. And I'm more of like a strategic, you know, very fundamental kind of player. But when I'm playing with him, I, I kind of get a little bit his flair, I feel like, that I can just do whatever. So when I saw him on the backside, I was just like, screw it, I'm throwing this behind the back, and he'll figure it out when he catches it, um, which worked out well. But, you know, for um, for going into the game, you know, I think a lot of people kind of have been asking me about, like, oh, what was your motivation or, or how did you, like, what made you play like that? But, you know, for me, like, I, I think I know what my own skill sets are and what I, I bring to the table. And I always believed in myself and what I could do. And I think just being put in a position I was was coaching that where he kind of just enabled me to, to play my style and do what I needed to do. I think people are a little surprised that I played as well as I did. But I, you know, I go to every, into every game with the same mindset and, and the same routine, you know, working hard during the week and making sure I set myself up for success. And I'm not like surprised in a sense of how I played. I think it was just a matter of, of going into the game, like I said, and and having that routine, you know, taking it one play at a time, being in the moment, and just just sparing my shots when I got them, and just doing my job. So, I didn't think about it as any other such other than just being another game where I, I had to produce at the highest level for us to win. Yeah, I feel like that's that that's like definitely the the better answer than uh yeah like i had this trip on my shoulder and i wanted to prove everyone wrong because like like that kind of motivation only lasts so long but like so if that's just like the style of play that you have then it's like well yeah like you can put up five and three like whenever you get the opportunity yeah i think uh it's not good to have fleeting confidence or something like fleeting motivation where it's just one game you get that and then it's done you want to you know, it's it's a long season, and it's it. At the end of the day, you play if you can. You want to ultimately play a long career, so you're gonna have so many games night in night out that that you want to kind of just be able to stick to to how can you get to the upper ninety percentile of your potential every time you play. So I do everything I can to kind of get to that, and I just happen to be be getting the touches and, and having the right guys around me to, to be able to produce. And I think that, you know, if I, I keep doing my job and, and keep playing the way I know I can play that, that that'll continue to happen. Yeah. Well, so we uh, we mentioned Ryder as one of the guys who you're pretty pumped to to play with now. Um, there's another teammate that you have now where, uh, well, actually, I guess you were teammates with them uh, in the NLL with the Seals. Uh, but during training camp, you had a, a little bit of a run in with Nick Asello. Uh, you know, just, just some pushing and shoving, just the guys being dudes. Uh, now you guys are back on the same team. Uh, so, you know, what's it like being back with Nick? And I do have to read you a quick, uh, a quick quote from Nick on, on Twitter earlier this morning. Uh, he, he wanted to know if we could get a power ranking on guests that we've had on the show. Um, Nick, he's a recurring guest on, on the crease dive, even though we've never invited him. He kind of just shows up sometimes. Uh, but he said, zero doubt in my mind that I dust jewels. So, you know, how, how's playing 
being on the same side as Nick now? And then what are your, you know, do you have any comments or reactions on his uh, take that he would dust you in terms of guest power ranking? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think uh, he likes to take pride in that he's the number one internet tough guy. So uh, I'll give him that. He's a big internet guy tweeting, obviously, you know, but when it comes time to the field, I don't, I don't know anymore, you know. <laughs> but um, now, so Nick's the man, like me and him are boys. We, at training camp, we got into a little scuffle. That's just that's just how it happens. Guys, we just competing at the highest level. And I think, obviously, this this game is, is everything's been ramped up. So there's way more pride on the line. The guys are taking it way more seriously. And, and you're seeing that with the, the intensity on the field. So stuff like that's just inevitably going to happen because guys are, guys are fighting for spots. You're fighting for paycheck. You know, you're fighting to survive in this league and get on the active roster. So you have to bring your all every time you're out there. And those emotions are just going to run high and, I think you saw that a little bit with us at training camp and you saw it with Nick when he, when he stood up against the chaos as well. Um, but it's great to have on my side now and, and not be, be someone that would take a hit like, uh, like Blaze did. Uh, Cause I don't think it would, it would bode well for me if that was on the other end of that. So, uh, so I, like I said, I'm happy to be on the same squad as him now again. All right. Well, we'll yeah, I'm, I'm sure that, I'm sure he'll he'll listen back on this episode. He's he's a big fan, and you know he'll he'll have some some choice words in terms of the power rankings. But um, you know maybe maybe we'll have to leave that to the people. Leave it to the people. I think I'll I'll turn out uh, in first. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so you know, real quick. So it's been so what? This is week five now. Um, so you know, you guys are probably all like starting to settle into the fact like they like the schedule, um, you know, traveling every weekend. Like I'm sure that the first few weeks were, were probably a little chaotic trying to, you know, go from city to city. Um, but you know, how has that been for you so far this season? Just, uh, you know, just no home base, just constantly on the move. Yeah. I think for me, it was, it was definitely a little tough in the beginning just because I'm out in California and all of our games so far have really been on the East coast. So go, going from there, the West coast with the time change and the long flight, kind of flying in for that practice on Friday and then getting ready for the game Saturday. It wasn't easy, and I was definitely feeling the effects of my body. So for that, the last game, I actually flew in on Thursday for Baltimore and stayed with Ryan Jenner just to kind of alleviate some of that stress in my body. And and I think it, it helped me out a lot come game day with how my legs felt. So I'm kind of sticking to that routine now. I flew in uh, to Atlanta on Thursday today, staying with my brother, just so I could kind of get that extra day under my belt, get those legs going again before I actually have to suit up for practice and the game. And uh, I kind of, I'll kind of stick to that for the rest of the East Coast games. And then when it comes to the time for the West Coast schedule, it'll be a little easier. Just the fights will be shorter, and it'll kind of be a little bit of a better routine for me. Did uh, did you move out to California for the for the SEAL season? Is is that what brought you out there, or did you just go because you had to get out of Jersey? Yeah, so I, I didn't want to live in New York City, and I was thinking about where I want to live, and I just luckily got drafted by San Diego and. And they put me up out there. So I was there from January up until probably last month. I moved up to Venice Beach for the summer with my buddy from New Jersey. So I've just been hanging out there. Um, a lot of the Canadian guys went home for the summer and kind of just wanted a little bit of a change of pace other than being down in San Diego. So I went up uh, to Venice Beach and I've been there for a little bit. I haven't gotten to experience it too much just because of the travel, but it's been nice to have it as a home base and, and kind of get to see some sites a little bit. So I'm excited to get a, get a bye weekend and, and be able to kind of soak, soak being in there a little bit more. Yeah, I just seeing some of the pictures coming out from, you know, the the SEAL social media team, like especially during training camp and shit like that, where you guys are all just like practicing outside or practicing on the beach. What a what a life that must be. Like you got 
you you go play box across and you end up in southern california must be fucking nice yeah i mean we're definitely spoiled in the sense like all the guys the older vets on the team all just letting us letting all the younger guys know this is not how it goes in the league and no one else getting the treatment we were getting so it was unbelievable to be able to, to play for them to get drafted there i was very thankful for the experience and i'm excited to kind of get back going with them next year too yeah, let's let's keep talking about that a little bit. Just like you know, what has uh you know the box game? Because did you play box at all before uh, getting drafted? No, never played. Yeah, so like like your game, like in the field, like you're I like you're just super shaky, like in like shaky in like a good way, like like you're you're about to just like take someone's ankles with you. Nice little split dodge, super smooth. Obviously, like that's not the the same game uh, when you get to the box. So like how you know, how is that kind of, uh, has that like changed your game at all at the field level? Um, or are you able to kind of just like separate, like, all right, this is how I'm going to play for box. This is how I'm going to play for field. Yeah, definitely. So I think the, the biggest thing is when you go to box, you keep it in your right hand the whole time. Um, I actually started to use my left a little bit more and found myself being put in opportunities where I could use my left. Cause I'm very two, a two handed player. And most guys that play can only use one hand. But other than that, I think, you kind of stick to either right to right move in box or kind of a right to left split, but you keep it in your right hand. And that's kind of just as far as I go with dodging. Whereas in field, I like to go and switch it up and go both ways and do split dodges and stuff. So it's the dodging aspect. You kind of just have to flip a switch when you go from field to box, knowing that you can split to the other hand and not keep it in the one hand. And then as far as um, everything else goes, you know, it's just everything that that happens in the box just ends up improving your game in the field. So your shooting accuracy gets way better your stick handling gets way better, your awareness off ball, you know, th- throwing those backhanded passes are just a necessity when you're in box. So you just get comfortable with them and, and you get comfortable being creative and doing things just because of how the shot clock works and the position you end up being put in by being forced to have it in one hand. So all that stuff, you know, I, I see it translating into the field game, you know, maybe one play or two plays a game, maybe that I wasn't doing before. And now I'm setting myself up to, to get a chance to score the ball or get a, get a good look on the cage um, for someone else because of the skills I've developed from box. Yeah. I just, I feel like the, the box, since everything's just so much tighter, like you have to just be more like just thinking on the fly, changing up. Like you, you know, you might think, Hey, I'm going to set this guy out for this dodge, but all of a sudden you run out of space. You can't do it anymore. So you have to like find like a plan B real quick. And I think that that's like, that's kind of what we like saw with that move to, you know, the behind the back to rider, like you, you caught like a wild pass came down with it, had two guys coming like down on you real quick. And then just a quick dish. So I feel like that, that little connection there. Cause like riders style is also very chaotic. I'm very excited to see the way that that dynamic plays out the rest of the season. I think that that's like people heading into the season. I feel like the Redwoods thing was like, you know, they've got all these uh, these Notre Dame and these Brown poles and like the defense is going to be loaded. And then all of a sudden, like this attack lineup just as is now like, oh, shit, like the Redwoods are fucking uh, weapons all over the field. Yeah, I mean, I think that all of our styles are very complimentary of each other and they, they put us put us in good positions to succeed. Like Cav is a great wing dodger, very dynamic player and also a great shooter and ball carrier. And then you have. So me and him are kind of similar in that way. He does it lefty. I can do it righty. And then you have someone like Garns who can, who can carry, but also very creative off ball and isn't looking to have the ball all the time. And same with Clarkie, who's just, 
he just wants to catch it off ball. So it's a nice little mix of guys working together and, and knowing their roles and, and just doing them to the best of their ability. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think you guys are going to be a serious issue for everyone this season. I mean, all these teams are loaded. There's only you know there's only six teams and there's so many great players on on each of them. So like every team's loaded, but I do feel like now, like in in terms of having guys on every single area of the field, you guys are are pretty set up right now. Um, couple last things before I let you get going because I know you got to get your body right for this weekend, especially you know with a big one on the line against the Whip Snakes. Um, yep. So there were a couple more trades that went down in the PLL this past week. So uh, Brendan Fowler, he's on his way to the Archers. Uh, Joe McCallion was also uh, he was also dealt. I, f- I forget the exact trade right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like, do you feel like it? Do do you feel like there's like a little camaraderie with those guys now that you know like you you guys are like the trade boys or did you kind of like being the only one for a little bit? Uh, I think my situation is a little different just because I, I think people realize that and like the guys on my team, if you talk to them, like I didn't really need to be traded. Like there wasn't really a huge, we we're 3-0 and undefeated team. You know, I'm not playing poorly at all. If anything, I'm playing pretty solid. You know, chemistry in the locker room is great. And then I'm just gone. Where I think of the other trades might have been more um, being dealt with team needs, you know, where teams, a guy picks up a face-off guy because maybe a guy is not playing as well or you know, McCallie, maybe they need more midfield depth, something like that, where my situation was a little bit more team needed me and my team did just didn't need me maybe because we had a lot of great players, you know? So it was just a little bit, a little bit different. Um, but nonetheless, you know, it, it, I don't think it changes what, what being traded feels like at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, well then real, so you kind of just mentioned there. Uh, so, you know, you were undefeated with the whip snakes now you got a win under your belt with the Redwoods. You now have the opportunity to be the only player in the league to be five and zero yourself. Um, obviously, heading into any game, like the goal is to win a game. But you know, you, you kind of said that you don't want like fleeting motivation. But is there a little bit more on the line this week, knowing that you can give the Whip Snakes their first loss of the season, and you can keep yourself with five straight dubs to start your PLL career? Yeah, I think, you know, just going into this game with the Maryland guys, I've never beat Maryland in my entire career. And it was it was nice to be on the same side as them and see what, what they do and how they kind of gut out these wins. So kind of flipping the, split, the switch now and being on the other side of it, you know, I'm just thinking back to, to going into all the Maryland games and how I felt and knowing how tough it was going to be and how much of a, a full game it would have to play to win. So I kind of just thinking about, you know, what did I bring to the table in those games versus Maryland to, to kind of, put us in a position to succeed and now how can I kind of bring that same level of intensity and, and same level of play over um, to ha- but now doing it at a, at a professional level with elite talent all around me that I think you know will help help us get the win for sure so I, I'm just going into it just just thinking about how, how I can prepare myself best to, to do my job and hopefully everything else handles itself you've been uh you've been involved with the with the game planning in this one do you know you, get, you got a little inside scoop there on the scout I guess yeah, I think in practice we'll talk a little bit about it if, if coach needs anything from me. But Coach Nat's a great a great coach, great guy. I think they have a, a – we just sent the scout out actually to us, um, and it was great. I think they're spot on with everything. I think I'll be able to add a little bit of insight on the defensive end, what they're trying to do and matchup-wise. But other than that, I'll let the coaches handle the scout side, and, and I'll just handle the play. All right. Well, you guys can catch uh, Jules and the Redwoods taking on the Whip Snakes. 
Uh, that is Saturday. Are you guys the the one or the four o'clock game? With the four o'clock. All right. So Saturday, four p.m. You can check it out. Jules Hennenberg will be the only undefeated player left in the PLL. Five goals, three assists last week. He's still got plenty in the tank for this week. So thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, go uh, you know, go go get yourself a little bit of revenge this weekend. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. I had a great time. Yeah, we'll talk to you. All right. Thanks to Jules for hopping on with us. Uh, again, you can watch that game, Redwoods versus Whipsnake, Saturday, 4 p.m. That'll be NBC Sports Gold. Uh, right now, let's kick it on over to Diggs Tape. All right. With us right now, we uh, we have one of the newest stars of lacrosse Twitter. We've got Mikey Diggs, a.k.a. Diggs Tape, on the line Diggs, thanks for coming on, and especially thanks for all you've been doing on the uh, the, the social media front over these past few weeks. Appreciate that, Jordan. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is, uh, this is really cool to get to talk to you guys. Yeah, so uh, if, if anyone listening right now has not seen the videos that you've been putting out on uh, Twitter and Instagram, uh, it's, it's at Diggs Tape on both, right? That's correct. Yeah, at Diggs Tape on both. All right, so if, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, you know, he just takes a bunch of highlights from the PLL season, does a little voiceover of it, adds a little seasoning into there and uh, kind of spices it up for the lacrosse world. Something that the in, on the social media front of lacrosse, we've been um, lacking for quite a while now. Uh, but, you know, now that all the eyes are on the sport of lacrosse with the PLL coming in, dig state rose to the occasion so uh you know how's how's it how's it been these these last few weeks i mean you've been uh you've been getting a ton of play out there it's crazy so i started the account actually like in early march and this is an idea that i've been kind of sitting on for a couple of years because my college i went to st vincent college out in latrobe pa shout out my bearcats one time um i used to hang out with them and just watch lacrosse highlights and we would just while out and laugh at all the little isms and you know being career lacrosse players we see all the little stuff and we think it's funny so over the years after college i would send my friends these snapchats and they all thought they were hilarious because i was just picking out the no look passes and picking out the, the gary gate looking finishes and all that craziness so it was an idea i sat on and then i just went for it back in march and three months later here we are uh, did it through the college season, did some high, did some on and off high school highlights, a little bit of PLL action, but it's been really fun. It's been, it's been really fun to um, watch the lacrosse world take hold of a, a type of comedy and outlook on the game that I had always seen it through, but I hadn't seen on the airwaves in the sport that I've been playing for almost my whole life. You know, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, I guess how, how, you know, also, again, Jordy and I career lacrosse players as well, you know, over the years as social media has developed, you know, there's kind of been like, I could say, there's just your standard highlight, right? There's nothing that comes over it. It's just boring. It's just like, wow, the play speaks for itself. It's whatever. Like, that's, just, that's sick, whatever. And then there's like, this whole, like, tree branch i guess you could call it of highlights that are way like like slowed down like trying to give you a fucking seizure while you're while you're watching them and it's just like i don't want it like i i respect the craftsmanship but like i don't want to see that i just show me show me the sauce show me the good shit and like don't miss me with all of like this super edited bullshit so like it's a kind of like 
you know, you've taken a, a, a new tree branch and just kind of like forged your own path, you know, and, you know, you've, you've compared it a lot to what NBA Twitter has been like. And NBA Twitter is absolutely during the finals, during the NBA season. It's just absolutely wild. It's the Wild West. It always has and it always will be, you know, and I, I guess like, you know, moving forward, how do you see the, you know, kind of, you, you know, this corner developing um, because I think more people are, are out there to, you know, to, to make these jokes. Um, how, how do you, how do you see it developing? Because we don't ever want it to be stale. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, like you said, like you said, um, NBA Twitter is one of the greatest things that ever happened to the internet. I am, you can't convince me otherwise. It, it's, it is the Twitter Super Bowl NBA finals time. Oh, with the Warriors and all they've been doing, boy. And when, when they lost, boy, they cooked them, boys. Whoo, that was hilarious, man. We need that type of humor all the time or as much as we can get it in our sport. And I really hope that it starts to take hold a little bit. And I think the further down the road we get with legitimizing and bringing the, a, a correct outward culture to our game, people are going to start to be able to make it relatable. And I think that's the biggest thing that's going to need to happen with how it comes with regard to how it, how the game is perceived and how people watch it and how people talk about it. If it's relatable, if they can see a sport that they've never seen that, cause people will see me with my stick and ask me if I'm playing cricket, like what cricket, come on boy. Uh, so when we get people that are like that and are seeing the sport for the first time, and there's a commentator that's shouting out basketball players that they know and likening it to a football move or whatever, whatever sport, that's when people are starting to go, oh, okay, I can I can understand what this sport is on that level because I don't know how, if that shot was fast or if it was slow or if that's a good move or a bad move. But I know when Kawhi Leonard posts somebody up and posterizes them, that's tight. Like, you know, when you can relate those two. And I think it's going to start to move in that direction when it comes to, like, talking about the sport on even a casual level, on the internet level. Um, or, or even in the booth, you know, you got Miles Jones in the booth and he's, he's, he's low key hilarious. So, you know, Miles Jones will get them jokes off too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, oh. Hold on. Sorry. Sorry, Jordy. Speaking of Miles, uh, did you see <laughs> on the PLL's Instagram there, uh, Miles and Dominique Alexander are going to be in downtown Atlanta Friday night, challenging people in Fortnite. They're going to be playing <laughs> Fortnite, <laughs> Fortnite with people. I, I was like, yeah. So there's I, that. I missed I missed out on all the Fortnites. I I'm always so behind on all that. Just so I, I always feel a little left out on that. But um, hey, real quick, just to go back to something you were saying, because like I feel like that's like like making the sport relatable is something that lacrosse fans like for a while have struggled so hard to do because like you know there are people and like listen like I, I'm friends with some of these people that are doing this on. Twitter and social media and shit. So like, I, I don't, I don't want to like just shit on them or anything, but like for so long, like lacrosse fans have had this like, like inferiority complex where they're like, Oh, you don't need to like, you don't need to compare lacrosse to other sports for people. Like pe people were uh, like, 
like talking about the Twarton, people are like, oh, you don't need to call it the Heisman of lacrosse. It's the Twarton. Like it should stand on their own. Or people are always like, you know, like you don't need to compare it to that. And it's like, well, like, no, you fucking idiots. Like if if you want people that don't know the game, if you're like if you really want to grow the game, which like everyone constantly says, but like very few people actually care to do. If you actually want to grow the game. Like the shit that you're doing is what you have to do. Like you can't constantly be like safekeeping this game. And it's like, oh, like we're we're too good to be comparing ourselves to the the Heisman of lacrosse. Cause like, well, like be realistic with yourselves. Cause like lacrosse isn't at that point yet. So I think like what you do is just so much different than what we're constantly used to seeing on lacrosse Twitter, which is just constant bitching about either dorks. not getting yeah, a bunch of dorks that are just like, oh, like the cross isn't getting enough coverage, but then when it does get coverage, you're like, Oh, well the coverage sucks. Like it's just constant complaining. So like, I'll be scrolling through the timeline and I'll like lacrosse Twitter, lacrosse Twitter. I'm just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Cause like, I don't give a shit about all these people complaining. And then I see digs tape pop up and I'm like, that's where I stopped scrolling. Let me listen to this shit real quick. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, I think that's going to be really important. Um, Cause I mean, like you said, that, that, that whole to our time versus Heisman thing that raises, a really big discussion that we need to have with ourselves because yes, I, I understand like anyone that you talk to in the lacrosse community is going to know what the Tawaratan award is. Like we all know that it's just that it's kind of in the same breath as what the PLL is doing right now. They're, they're taking risks with the crowd that they, that they know they're going to get the crowd that they know they're going to sell tickets to, which is us, the, the diehard lacrosse fans that buy Redwood shirts and wait three weeks in the mail and wear them right when they get to the doorstep. Like, <laughs> They're going to sell tickets to us, but who they need to sell tickets to, who we need to cater to as I'm a mega fan, like I'm a lax brat, like the people we need to cater to are the people that don't really know what lacrosse is. We need to give them a reason to buy a ticket to a PLL game. And if that's something as simple as making the field 10 yards shorter in the middle so we can go coast to coast faster and get pole goals and let the bomb squad chaos boys do their thing, like it's going to it's going to ruffle some feathers you know some of the guys that played college in the 70s 80s and 90s they're going to be like this isn't the sport that i know like i want to see my version of lacrosse well guys our version of lacrosse in the last 20 years has not sold tickets like that's just the reality so we need to switch up how we need how we market our sport to to the casual fan I mean, look at the jerseys. Look what the PL is doing with their jerseys. People are complaining that they're not baggy. These don't look like lacrosse jerseys. Well, I mean, Paul Rabel's a smart guy. Like, he wants people to wear lacrosse jerseys. So what do you do? You make them feel like T-shirts. I I think it's a brilliant marketing move. You know, I mean, at risk of alienating some fans, I think these are all steps in the right direction. And my commentary didn't really start as that, but it's proving to be – it's proving to – prove correct what I've always, what I felt about the sport for the last six, seven, eight years. I mean, that makes sense. You know, you're, you're right. Rabel, Rabel knows what he's doing, you know, the traveling model, um, you know, picking out these, you know, kind of keystone cities across the United States. Um, you know, you, you had to hit Baltimore, obviously you had, you had to hit New York. You got to have it in Philly. You know, I think, I think Atlanta was great. Um, Atlanta's huge for us. Uh, you know, past 10 years, uh, you know, there's some boys playing on big stages that are from Atlanta, you know, um, which is great. I mean, you, you had one this year about Nate Solomon doing that fake behind the back, just absolutely silly. Um, yeah, that was, that was fire. Uh, you know, so, um, yeah, so 
I, I just keep laughing to myself because, you know, I, I'm thinking of the of the exactly what you're talking about. You know, the lacrosse that these guys, you know, these old these old heads grew up, grew up playing, you know, 70s, 80s and 90s. It's like, you know, they used to watch TV on a fucking microwave. You know, they 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 didn't even have social media. They didn't they weren't even social. They just all hated each other, and got drunk in bars and, you know, beat their wives. So, like, yeah, of course, it's not going to be the same as, you know, this game that they they've um, you know, watch growing up, but it, it's evolving and it's changing, you know? So I, I guess if I had any question questions for you pertaining to the game specifically, we'll go right into the PLL, you know, do you think that anything should be changed right now? When it comes to the PLL? Yeah. When it comes to PLL rules, things like that, you know, cause I'm, I personally, and I think jo- I can speak for Jordy here. I think we're both pretty satisfied with what's going on right now. There's not a lot I would change, to be completely honest with you. And, I mean, I'm I'm of the same crowd where it's like I love college lacrosse. All of us do. And just the fact that they rolled out with what seemed to be yellow balls, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. But they're right. I mean, the optic yellow, the, those balls are actually pretty dope. Um, so all the stuff that I was skeptical about to start, I've come around on. And even, and even outside of that, I don't think there's much I would change. I really like the new face-off rules, um, how you can get in and kind of lift butt ends if you have to, or, you know, you're not allowed to make body contact with them and you can get your sticks in there and try to jar that ball out quicker. Uh, you can't really do that in college. So certain certain changes they've made like that are have turned out to be really good things, and they're working. I mean, look at all the overtime games we're getting. Uh, look at all the highlight goals we're getting from all different positions. I mean, my, my man Timmy Troutner, a.k.a. Timmy Turner, shout out Fairly Odd Parents, came out went apple time on them clowns the other day like it's it's working you know what the what the PLL doing is doing is working um i don't think there's a whole lot i would change about it right now honestly i'm just looking forward to expansion uh i'm looking forward to um a point where we're bringing in we i don't work for PLL. um i'm looking forward to a point where the PLL is bringing in enough money to dress more players um, I think that's going to be a big thing going forward, making it a viable league. So something where a guy like Asher Nolting is coming out and he's like, dude, I can, I can play with cross for a living. Cause he, he going to come out making 50, 60 on a 25 man roster, you know, a couple of years down the line. I mean, that's what, that's the kind of goals that I want for Xavier Arline. I just did a video on him. He's like my favorite high school player right now. That's my boy. I hope to meet him someday. I'm a, I'm a super fan of that dude. Like I want Xavier Arline to be cooking cats in the PLL on a full salary on a 25, 26 man roster. Whereas right now it's basically all operating off investor money. I get it. Um, But here we are. I I think that's the only thing I would change and that's going to come with time. So there's not much I would change right now. Yeah, totally agree there. Um, Hey, real quick. I want to get more into, into you a little bit. Um, So, you know, if people, if, if they've seen your videos, like, like obviously it's it's a little bit of a different scenario when you're you know you're recording over a video you probably have like a couple takes that you get to go through before the final product gets out there um i want to know so when you were when you were in your playing days like were you a talker during the game like was it just right there on the top like were you letting it fly during the game whether you know it's on the field or on the sideline just like letting the guys have it or is this something that like and I, I'm not I'm not saying you're afraid to say it, Alan, but it's it's a little easier to let some of the shit fly when you're talking into a into a camera as opposed to on the field where you got you know some guys with some six foot poles that might have something to say back about it. Right. 
Look, I mean, I wasn't scared of nobody. Let's get that. Let's get that straight right <laughs> off top. Look, I was a midfielder. I drew a pole for a lot of my college career. Um, like, I wasn't scared of nobody, and I'm still not. So I mean, if if you going if you gonna come at me sideways or if if something's gonna happen, I'm not afraid to let you know. I'm not afraid to let you know that I'm I'm down I'm down for whatever on the field. But I'm not a trash talker. Like if I cook you, I'm gonna just let you sit in it. Like I'm gonna let you let it marinate a little bit. Teammates. I'm gonna let you tell your teammates you need to meet me at 15 yards because I'm gonna cook you from the top of the box. Like I'm gonna let you talk about that. I'm not a big talker on the field, but when I'm off the field, like on the bench, hyping up my teammates. I've been saying stuff like that my whole life, likening it to things and saying stuff at the top of my lungs from the sidelines and asking asking attackmen that are on the other side, like, hey, why you do that boy like that? Why you do that man so dirty? Like saying stuff like that. I mean, I've been like that my whole life. So I just like to bring that to the airwaves. Yeah, that's why I feel like one, one of these one of these weeks, like maybe just like get you down there on the sideline and then like just just have you mic'd up a little bit and just see you know how how that one goes maybe you know maybe we'll save it for an NBC Sports Gold game so you know some of the stuff can uh you know get get past the FCC but right <laughs> right exactly that's that's how you got to do it yeah no man that's i i have i have to say that uh you know the the on-field chirps definitely were you know the most brutal sometimes like, you know, somebody got detwigged and you know, you had a pretty monstrous sideline. You're like, Oh, look at this <laughs> fucking idiot. You know, like we, we kept, we kept it pretty, I guess, you know, I, I played club ball. So like we were a little bit more ruthless, you know, I, you know, we, we'd play like Vanderbilt and they'd be like, Oh, you go to fucking Georgia. I'd be like, well, you're fucking five foot six and you can't do shit. We, so like, like you're a nerd, times, you're a goddamn nerd. Like what? I don't, know, I don't know how many times we have to say this. We don't, <laughs> we don't short shame on this podcast. All right. It's, it's okay to be under five ten. You can lie about how tall you are. Like it's fine. We, you can just keep doing it and, and it'll, it'll be okay. I, I promise. I um, the program. That's funny. I'm five nine and three quarters, Jody. I'm right there with you. There we go. Yeah. So you put so you put six feet in the, on on your roster. Like you're six yeah. feet two oh five. And they're like, wow, this, <laughs> is this the same guy showing up to the field? Um, <laughs> you know, no. We've we I, I I genuinely have enjoyed the commentary. Now now I think what we need to do now is we need to get into your fandom. You know, if, if, if we're gonna, I'm gonna we're gonna do like I'll do like rapid fire for the leagues. And would you just tell me your, your favorite team? So NFL. Uh, Redskins. Oh, God. Oh, 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 God, stop. No, no wonder. Right. No I'm wonder. No, I'm a fourth generation Skins fan. My dad's from D.C. His dad's from D.C. His dad's from D.C. Uh, no wonder you have oh, a sense God. of humor. Yeah, no, you got to. NBA. <laughs> NBA. Um, I don't really have a team for NBA. I just like to I like to follow like players. I'm not really. A, That's a fair. That's fair. I think the NBA is is become that. Um, I mean, I'm not even a Hawks fan, so don't even. <laughs> I can't even go there. Um, let's see. Are you, are you a hockey guy? I feel like everybody in the Northeast, because everything everything in the Northeast is New York to me. So I feel like everybody in the Northeast is a hockey person. So are you a hockey person? Uh, caps. I gotta roll with the Caps. Okay. I can't. I can't call myself a fan. I call myself a Caps supporter because I don't really okay. tune in. But like, I'm gonna go hyphy when they, when we left the Stanley Cup, with, which we did last year. So. Okay, that's fair. And then the last one, I guess, would be baseball. But I don't really give a shit about baseball, so it's not gonna mean much to me. I'm, I'm from pre-nationals Maryland, so it's Orioles all day. Okay, that I think that's fair. I yeah. think that's very fair. All right, that's so, it. 
Yeah, I guess. Uh, oh, that's that's t- I would have kind of wish I knew that you were a Redskins fan before inviting you on the pod. <laughs> like that's just I can't give you that advantage, Jordy. Now, now it just now now it just feels like charity at this point. <laughs> um, hey, one thing I want to so. Um, you know, so speaking of fandom, I feel like a lot of the players now, I, you know, just seeing some of the interactions on, you know, social media, I, a lot of the players now have become fans of you. Like I see a lot of players, like whether, you know, in your, uh, like in the comments or, you know, if the PLLs like reposting one of your videos, like a bunch of the players are, uh, you know, they're like quoting some of the shit that you, you said on those videos. Um, so a little, little two-parter here, you know, this is a, a, a journalist trick, get to fit two questions into one here. Um, one, like, how's it, how's like, how have those interactions been with like some of the guys? Um, and then two, like, I feel like, I feel like you get this, this nice little, uh, unique experience where like you kind of get to be like the mouthpiece for those guys. Like, like a, I think of a guy like Connor Fields who would never say anything bad about anybody ever, like sweetest could be nicest kid in the world. And then, you know, you have the video of his uh, fake behind the back. I think you said something like that's how you do your dog in the backyard. Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's like one of those things where like in the back of his head, like Connor Fields knows like that's like what he would say if he was like that type of person, but he would never be the one to say it. Um, so like, so I get, one, how, how have like some of those interactions been with some of the players? And then two, like, do you, do you kind of understand that like you get to say some shit like for these players that they probably would would be a little too humble to say themselves <laughs> uh I, i'll answer the first first question first it, the interaction with the players has been it's been crazy i mean you gotta think about it this way like i i'm just a lacrosse fan so like you know hear, hearing you know i think i think miles jones made a a reference to one of my videos and one of like the appeal of mic'd up youtube wrap-ups and i was that's that's one of those moments where i was like whoa that I think that dude really just is that from the video? Cause I, anyway, um, so those have been pretty surreal, honestly, cause I'm, I'm fans of the players and fans of the game. So it's just like, I still wrapping my head around that part. It's, it's just, it's just been crazy. And a lot of, it's been a lot of fun. Let's put it like that. Um, but as far as being a mouthpiece for some of the players, I, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, I guess I do understand that a little bit. Um, I, I, it all goes back to NBA Twitter for me, man. Like NBA Twitter is ruthless. They will they will meme you twenty seconds after something happened. Like who was it? I think it was Steph that threw a behind the back pass in the finals that they lost, and they photoshopped the NBA trophy over the ball. That happened like thirty seconds after he threw that pass. Like I I channeled that energy when I'm saying stuff like 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 when Connor feels went young game shark on Callum Robinson. Sorry, Callum. I'm, I'm an Atlas guy, but it happened. Let's, let's face it. Um, he treat, he did you like he did his dog in the backyard, hit him with the fake throw and he got his dog to turn around. <laughs> so I just like it. It's, it's been really cool to see all that develop. You know, I think it also benefits the fact that, you know, I mean, lacrosse is a, is a, is a huge sport to all of us, but we all have to remember how, small the world is in lacrosse everybody knows somebody who knows somebody like you know fucking jordy over here playing club ball with joey sankey you know you know just casually things like that you know yeah yeah, not not a huge deal or anything you know i I watched i watched scott throw scott ratliff uh my sophomore year we were playing against each other 
I saw this man. <laughs> I saw this man. Okay, let, let me just set the scene for you. It's his sophomore year, right? He's probably 5'8 or so, 140 pounds soaking wet. Okay. This man has the wettest stick I've ever seen in my entire life. I saw him throw a one a one hand my first one handed rap check, my and and he just stung it. And I turned to my coach and I said, "What the fuck was that?" Because I'd never <laughs> seen I had never seen that before. You know, his dad his dad's got that whole you know his dad went to Navy. His dad was an awesome you know all American and 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 of course you know the next year Scott comes out and he's six foot two and uh, two hundred five pounds. And I was like, "Is that the same guy?" You know, I turned him to one of the other captains. He's, I was like, is that Scott? And he's like, I don't know, dude. It was Scott. And he just dicked on us. But like, yeah, it, it was Scott, by the way. He dicked on us. But like, you know, it's such a small community, you know, and, and you know, your comments under, under some of your videos, it's like, you got Jake Ricaro here. You know, you got Jake Richard here. You got, you know, Ryder Garns. He's tagging his, you know, uh, Eddie Glazner. Like, it's, 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 it's cool to see. And... You know, and I guess, you know, social media kind of even shrinks it, shrinks our lacrosse world even more. Right. You know, so there's not really even a question there. I'm just kind of agreeing with you that it's all no. kind of just ent entirely too small. You know, it's nothing really goes unnoticed in a lacrosse right. community, I would say. Right. And I think that's kind of part of the reason why um, I got to the, the level that I'm at in like three and a half months. Cause I mean, I literally started this account three and a half months ago and then dropped a video like two days after that. And then Kai Montgomery got the first video, big fan, big fan of Nakai, if you're listening. Ooh. Um, but, oh, were we, were we, yeah, it's, it's, it's banana sandwich. What's happening in, in my comments with, with, with Ryder tag, tagging Eddie Glazner. Cause I, t I stole a joke from Eddie Glazner. I didn't know it was him. I <laughs> called his goalie, Timmy Turner. And because he said it, it mic'd up and I ah. off my couch laughing. I was like, the accuracy <laughs> is the accuracy is killing me right now. So that's just it's just crazy to to watch all that unfold on my phone. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, just, it's crazy. Of course. By the way, little side note there, but fairly odd parents, severely underrated show. Um very. Hey, so I, I, I have a couple more things here before I let you go because I know you're a busy guy. I know you probably got a few more videos to go make before the weekend kicks off on Friday. Um, so, you know, it, this one, it, it's not really a question. It's more of a of a suggestion or, or like a, a plead. Um, so, like, I think something that makes your videos like so great on is – so like the, the production quality and like, this is something that Jake and I, we can relate to because the production quality on our podcast fucking sucks. It's just two fucking idiots talking into a microphone on a computer. And then I just like haphazardly throw it together on garage band. I think like that, that the, like you like, just like filming, it looks like you, you like film the screen and then just like, maybe like talk into your, to your camera as you're doing that. My, my only, suggestion to you and and listen you've done a great job so far in your three and a half months doing this so like you don't have to take this from me but i think that that makes these videos that much better like i feel like if you like if you start like selling out a little bit and like up in the production quality i, I feel like i don't know i i get like do you have aspirations of of up in the production quality because i i do feel like there's there's something there with the it, it's like a throwback to the old internet and the old internet was so much better than the shit that we have to deal with today where everyone's just pissed yes. off about everything. So that old internet aspect is what you really hit on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, to answer your question, I don't really have any 
plans to like up the production value. I've had a lot of people like ask me to or suggest it. They're idiots. Don't listen I, to them. Dumbasses. We we completely agree with you that that's part of what makes my content look different. Like when you're scrolling, it doesn't look like TV quality content. It looks like some some idiot is recording their TV screen with their phone in the Instagram app. I didn't even buy another app for this. Like that's how low quality this is. And people, I think people, like you said, it's like the old internet. Like remember that video where those two dudes are sitting on the couch watching like some Pokemon movie and Snorlax. Oh yes, fucking Snorlax. Yeah, (laughs) Snorlax is saving everybody. Like that sort of thing is like that makes the internet go round, man. So like, I don't really have any any reason or desire to like up the production and i mean i'm a photographer on the side like i do i do like commercial photography work on the side so like i love quality don't get me wrong but it's just i also understand the world of the internet the world of content and the the idea of like not doing the same thing everybody else is so i was like when i was sitting on this idea for this account i was like well i kind of want to do it legit and then the more i sat on it the more i was like man screw it i'm literally just going to do it the easiest way i know how and start getting videos up and this is what it turned into so to answer your question no uh, that was th- that was the exact answer that i was fishing for okay um okay. all right so well my final question here um so this this is one that uh it you had a take earlier this week on Twitter that ruffled <laughs> it ruffled Here a few feathers. It uh and, and by a few feathers I mean my, my own. So uh at Dig's tape on Twitter, 5.05 p.m. June 24th, 2019. <laughs> Atomic take. All black sticks are not cool. He's correct. That's the correct take. <laughs> so obviously this is a uh, this is an audio podcast so like you guys listening right now you don't get to see but oh I, I just God. broke out that my my own dark night here nice little uh string king mark 2v not a big deal um listen bro you got so much tape at the top of that head what are you you 11 i mean that's <laughs> absolutely not nah, that's... was that hockey i mean it's hockey tape too so you can't even fucking get it's... it off there Strictly hockey tape. I go, uh, I, I go about halfway down the shaft from the bottom and then a nice little, uh, like a nice little glove size at the, at the throat there. Um, but listen, like, have, have you had enough time to kind of sleep on that take and, and backpedal a little bit? Because I feel like the, the, the dark night, the murdered out twig, it's not for everyone. I'll agree with you there. Like it, it, there, there are definitely some people that will break it out and it looks not cool on them, but I feel like if you have the the type of game where, you know, like you're you're just out there and and you're not you're not looking to stick to the fundamentals. You're looking to just kind of freestyle a little bit out there, do whatever you want. Some kind of shit like some men's league shit where you couldn't do it when you're playing for a coach because the coach will ream you out and and staple you to the bench. But in men's league where you can just go out there and and ball a little bit. I feel like the black twig plays. So I like, have, have you had enough time to sleep on that take and where do you stand on it now? Look, here's, here's where I stand on it. Um, all black sticks are not the wave. <laughs> it's not the wave, but here's, here's what I will. I will give concessions to certain players because, because I don't like it so much. The players that are good and like rock the all black stick, and are and are like statistically successful. Like shout out JT Giles Harris, shout out Joey Manown, like the two that come to the top of my head, like the two Duke starters that rock murdered out sticks and just ball out. Like 
I, I almost have a higher level of respect for players if they're like, because it's the it's the it's the magician, not the wand, man. It's the it's the wizard, not the staff, or you know whatever euphemism you want to use for that. So if you balling, you balling. Like I can talk trash all day, but if you jam one in my eye, what am I gonna say? I'm just gonna say, hey, go ahead and turn and break that. Let's go face off. Like that's all you that's all you can say. So like, if you ball on me, you ball on me. But if you asking me. All black sticks ain't wavy. <laughs> <laughs> ain't wavy. Jake, I, I you 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 jumped in there on Twitter too to to kind of p- pile I, on a little bit there. Oh, any chance to pile on it uh, <laughs> uh, against you against you is like abso- I'm absolutely there for it. So you know you talk you talk so much about hockey that I just it goes right over my head because I'm not a hockey guy. You know I have to jump in when there's any lacrosse content on there. But no, the all black stick is is not the wave. I don't think it's ever been the wave. I think that the first time somebody I saw one of them in person, I was like, get that away from me uh, <laughs> because it was just so terrible. Um, you know, we, we were we were talking earlier about sticks. And I think my my uh, spoiler alert for the podcast, but like my man up on this week is the is the 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 double V or the W uh, making the comeback, the Ned Crotty making the comeback. Um, you know, I, I'm really digging the. Uh, and of course, I think Jordy and I cursed ourselves by saying that, uh, you know, we hope they don't start checking sticks in the BLL, but here they fucking are, uh, you know, so here, so we said it. So like they might, they might start doing it because we just like to ruin everything. Um, but no, man, like that, that's, you know, we, I think we've pretty much encompassed everything that we thought that we've talked about. You know, I, I really hope that they don't um, like change Instagram too much. I've heard some rumors that you know, they're going to take away likes and shit like that. You know, I, I like being able to see like if one of your videos, you know, gets shared a lot. Traditionally, it has a lot more views. And if I can't see that, like that just seems lame as fuck to me. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they don't they don't change anything like that. But um, but yeah, man, I, you know, Jordy, you have, you have any? No, I mean, the, the only thing the only thing I got to say right now is, uh, hey, String King, if you guys are listening right now, which I know you guys are, um, do, do me a favor. Send Diggs Tape over here, a, a murdered out Mark 2V. Let him ball out a little bit. He'll he'll come around on it and he'll realize like, yo, when I've got this twig in my hands, I feel a little bit more dangerous. And when I feel a little bit more dangerous, I start getting real reckless out there. And then it's just that mentality. That yeah. that's what this it's it's the mentality that the murdered out stick gives you. All right, I, I'll, I'll give you that. It's drinking if you listening. Um, slide my DMs. I got that address for you. So I mean, yeah. I'm trying to buy one. That's all good. There we go. And if uh, if anyone's going to be sliding into the DMs, you are going to be hitting up at Diggs Tape on Twitter and Instagram. Diggs, thanks for coming on. Uh, looking forward to seeing the rest of the videos you put out this summer. And uh, yeah, make sure if you're not following them already you're an idiot uh but you should probably start doing that right now thanks for having me boys great talking to you guys all right we'll talk to you all right peace all right thanks again to digs tape for hopping on uh like we mentioned you can catch him on twitter and instagram at digs tape uh some of the best highlight breakdowns or or dubs or voiceovers whatever you want to call it uh that lax twitter has to offer so make sure you throw him a follow if you're not already because he will probably be throwing out a ton of a1 quality videos this weekend because we've got a quality quality schedule ahead in atlanta jake the hometown so we got friday night lights it all gets going tonight 8 p.m the atli versus the archers 
down in Atlanta. So why, why don't you just take this, set the scene for us, you know? All right. So Friday night, Atlanta, um, everybody, where the, where the players play, where the players play. So, you know, you've got your, your two to three years removed UGA grads down in Buckhead, just, you know, crushing $11, uh, Trulies or white claws that they're buying from like the Ivy or some shit like that. Uh, you know, you've got people in bird scooters, just hoarding them, throwing them all over the street. I mean, if Atlanta on a Friday night, like if you want to go anywhere, you got to go at like two o'clock in the afternoon or you're just going to get stuck in traffic. So the city's buzzing, right? So the city's absolutely buzzing. Um, 8, 8 p.m., you know, sun's still got about 45 minutes left to go. So we're, we're cruising at like 80 degrees probably still. So, I mean, it's going to be hot. The boys are going to get that kind of like, you know, not the, you, you won't be sweaty when you walk outside, but like, you know, you won't be like drenched, but you'd be like somewhere in between. Throw a little uh, uh, baby powder on the undercarriage. Yeah, something like that. You know, I mean, you you know, you don't want to change after. You know what I mean? Um, but I mean, for this game, Archers. You know, they got the hometown kid, Scott Ratliff, is going to be there. Um, I'm taking the Archers in this one. I, I just I don't see a whole lot of the how a whole lot out of the at lie um, as of late. Uh, now maybe Sleeping Giant Ryan Brown, you know, comes up with six points, something like that. I, I don't know, but um atlas you know atlas defense is pretty good um but when the archers can string something together they're you know they're pretty brutal so i i got the archers in that game yeah i think uh you know like like, like having a guy like scott ratliff there um you know and it's not like this is the first time that he's playing pro lacrosse in his hometown atlanta um right. but it, it but it is you know, it's a bigger thing now that these guys have taken it upon themselves to start their new league. It's the first time that the PLL is going down to Atlanta. So, like, it's again, it's not his first time playing pro lacrosse down there, um, but it is like a huge, probably a huge moment for him. So you can imagine that in transition, if he's got the ball and a stick, he's going to be looking to go, um, you know, and, and the great thing about that is, you know, if, if he's going to miss the cage, you know, then you get a, a nice little possession out of it. And guys like Will Manny and uh, Marcus Holman, they're just going to find the back of the net. Uh, you know, I think, you know, at, with these games, as it keeps going later into the summer and it keeps getting a little bit hotter out there, um, the transition, like whoever's going to win in transition, um, you know, that's going to be, you know, whoever can, can just push it harder and just like kind of go through, like be like, hey, like whatever, it's fucking hot right now. I'm sweating my balls off, but, you know, we're only out here for 48 minutes. I'm just going to go full send the whole time, um, you know, because I, I feel like if you just get, uh, you know, if you just get caught trying to play six on six there for a while, guys are just going to be gassed. Uh, it's going to be a slower game. It's not going to work well for anyone. So I feel like that transition, which I, I feel like, you know, Ratliff is going to be the guy to kind of take this game over, um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm also going archers in this one. Yeah, it seems like a pretty easy choice, I think. Um, so that'll be, so the, the first Friday night game, uh, in PLL history. Uh, and then, so from, from there, we've got the three and one chaos taking on the Owen four Chrome. This will be Saturday, 1 PM. Uh, so where's, where's the sun at in Atlanta on 1 PM, huh? Looking oh. up into the sky. Where's that at? It's right in your fucking face. Uh, it's going to be hot dude. And, uh, Georgia state stadium, um, pretty sure there's not going to be a breeze so i imagine I, I how do they determine who gets the home and away jerseys because i'm 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 not quite certain how that's determined so if the chrome are wearing black man i feel sorry for them it's gonna be hot and they're probably gonna lose 
So, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we, we institute a mercy rule, you know, or something like that. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not certain, but like, uh, it's going to be like, uh, those, uh, hydration breaks. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe they'll have, you know, a couple extra volunteers with, uh, some of those like squirt bottles to, you know, kind of just mist you down or something like that. Uh, because we, we are talking Atlanta in June on a Saturday at 1 p.m. Um, I hate to see it, but I really do. But uh, if I if I'm gonna go with somebody, I'm I'm not calling any upsets here, so I'm I'm gonna say the chaos will probably come away with this one. Yeah. Now you know we we talked about Scott Ratliff, uh, you know, playing in front of the hometown crowd here. Another guy, you know, he's not from Atlanta originally, but he's made Atlanta his home. He still lives there right now. Um, so Miles Jones, you know, he lives in Atlanta. Um, you know, so this will be a home game for him pretty much. He'll be able to, you know, just kind of, um, you know, just kind of hang out at home, maybe have a few people over, probably have a bunch of his boys out there, you know, all the guys that he goes to the gym with down there um, as he got absolutely shredded this past offseason. Um, so I, I feel like for him, there's a, there's a lot going into this game. Um, you know, and he's a guy who, you know, you, you look at the, you look at the chaos offense and we're always talking Connor Fields, Miles Thompson, cause they're the ones that, that are just going off, making defenders look absolutely silly out there. Um, but when you got Miles Jones now who, you know, he's been having a solid season. It's not like he hasn't been doing anything. Um, but I feel like, you know, a, a lot of the attention has been put on that attack. Now this is a game where, where he'll be able to take over, probably drop a couple two bombs right in everyone's face and have himself a nice little home game. Um, so, you know, Chrome, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll just say it'll, it'll probably be chaos by one. Cause that's, that's just the way that these things go for the Chrome. And until we're proven otherwise, I, I feel like it would be irresponsible for us to uh, predict anything other than that. I think that's fair. I think that's a very fair choice. Very diplomatic of you. Yeah. Uh, and then the final game of the weekend, we've got the two and two Redwoods taking on the four and O drip snakes, the only undefeated team left in the PLL. And this one, obviously that this, the drama is there because Jules Hennenberg taken on his former team. Uh, so either the, the drip snakes, they'll go five and O or, Jules Hennenberg will be the only undefeated player left in the PLL season uh, as he was three and zero with the whip snakes. And then, you know, a, a win on uh you know, a win on Saturday at 4 PM. That'll make him two and zero with the Redwoods. So um, there, there's a lot of, a lot of revenge factor on the line here. And, you know, like if the game starts going kind of badly, you know, he can go pop on his, his whip snakes jersey and kind of sneak over to the other side. And like nobody would notice. You think you know, he, like, you, oh, Jules is back? You you think he he still has the jersey? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I would imagine so. Maybe you know, I don't think maybe maybe like I don't want to say pawned it, but you know, maybe you know, got it out there on sideline swap or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, f- I feel like I feel like you wouldn't even be able to look at it. Uh, at least not. Yeah, I I just feel like now the one thing I am a little bit worried about is uh eight eight points last week it's going to be hard to uh replicate that coming into this one um you know you, you just hope that he still has some left in the tank for this week um but you know i, I, I mean, feel did like he, did he peak too early 
It's it's a valid question. I do feel like uh, the guys who have come on the show so far this season have had pretty solid weeks um, right after coming on the show. So, um, you know, I, th I think that it would be a valid question to ask, uh, you know, did he peak too early if he wasn't on the show this week? But since he gets that nice little crease dive boost, um, you know, I think he, he could still have, you know, uh, you know, four or five points in this one. And then, you know, when he got, Garnsey doing what he does and, and Perkovic again, I, I feel like with the warmer weather, it's going to be a, 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 a two bombs galore. So when you got guys like Sergio Perkovic who can step in from, you know, South Carolina, that's, that, that's going to be a, a good recipe for success. Um, but whip snakes though, again, like they, they've just been, they, they've, I don't, I don't know like what you can say that they haven't been doing right now. like nine goals in that fourth quarter just proves that they have the most lethal offense in the league right now. Um, all these guys are snapping Rambo is just, I mean, Rambo taking a guy like Tucker Durkin to the rack. Um, just like, like that doesn't, ha there, there are very few people who can just eat those checks. Um, you know, just get their ribs crushed in half and still just power through and get top side and stick it. Um, Ryan Drenner, an absolute assassin. So this will be a game back and forth. I just feel like we'll get a couple of, of two pointers out of the Redwoods that will end up being the difference maker. I feel like this game will come down to the wire, but the two, you know, maybe whip snakes get themselves going early, um, you know, build up a nice little lead, but then we get a couple two pointers from the Redwoods that just quickly uh, erases that lead and then comes down to the wire and then they'll get it done there. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping for a good one. Um, you know, the Redwoods defense is definitely their strong point, I think. You know, they've, got, they've also got kind of like a mix of a running gun and, and um, you know, really set-style offense. Uh, the, the whip snakes, you know, do we do we see them fall this week? I don't think so, um, but you never know. Uh, it, you know. Depending on who shows up this week, I mean, Hindenburg adds a different element to the offense, and obviously, you know, he makes a significant difference, as seen last week, um, you know, he made a, he may have made the critical mistake of peaking too early though. So there's always that, uh, you know, there's always that to worry about because that's dangerous. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to peak too early. You know, you're, you're, all your swag gets thrown off and you know, there's only a finite amount of goals out there, you know? So maybe it made, do you think he had to change up sticks for the next game? You know, cause every goal has a finite amount of sticks. We, so. we think that, but I don't know, man, some of these guys are kind of debunking that a little bit right now. Like, like what if there's not, what if they're just, what if they've unlocked the code and they're just unlimited? That that would be groundbreaking. It's blowing my mind right now. And I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the uh, playoff format as well. Uh, but yeah, so that is week five in Atlanta. So that'll be Atlas versus Archers tonight under the lights, 8 p.m. That is on NBC Sports Network. Uh, Saturday, 1 p.m., Chaos versus Chrome. Uh, Saturday, 4 p.m., Redwoods versus Whip Snakes. Uh, if, you know, make sure you are following at Call Me Shitto on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Jake, you'll he'll also be running the uh, the Crease Dive accounts as well. So make sure you're also following at the Crease Dive on Twitter and Instagram. Um, but yeah, Call Me Shitto. What, what you got? You got two T's there. So uh, yeah, it's two T's. Call me S H I T T O. Uh, he'll be there at what is it? Kennesaw Stadium. 
No, they're playing Georgia State, bro. Oh, uh, Georgia State. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kennesaw is, I guess, where the Blaze play. Uh, but yeah, so he'll be down there, Georgia State Stadium. Uh, probably be ripping around on a bird scooter. So <laughs> seek him out and uh, try not to get roasted too much. And while you are down there, we are keeping it low to high to the day we die. Yeah. Show me more. Cause you know I got a key. About a three when I church, out in church, man.